Didn't he die? I saw that in um, National Treasure. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. This episode of the Sincast is brought to you by NatureBox. Start snacking healthy with NatureBox. Go to naturebox.com slash Sincast for 50% off of your first order. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Hey, howdy. And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Cher. Hello there. And we're going to continue this almost over mm. best of the years that we've been alive, and today is 2012. I have an army. We have a Hulk. Gotham is yours. It's make your mama's proud time. Hello, my mama. Jiminy Cricket, he flew the coop. Bin Laden is there, and you're going to kill him for me. I volunteer as tribute. This is the end. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Had. Stop fucking with Korean Jesus. He ain't got time for your problems. He busy with Korean shit. Great mm. movie. Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, right off the bat, what stands out to me about 2012 is The Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. That movie made over six hundred million dollars domestically, um, and uh, and sort of I think officially, really officially ushered in this comic book thing that had been going on for years. Yeah. Now it's it's after the Avengers and it's you know six hundred million and everything. It was it's here to stay forever. Like <laughs> gonna yeah. be, it's going to be through at least 2020. We're going to keep seeing these big May releases. Yep. And usually it's going to be Marvel. Uh, the Avengers is an, an interesting case for me because it was a movie that I wasn't responding very well to. Uh, and then the ending was so good. Yeah. I felt like a lot of people were like that though, until the ending and the ending with the Hulk and, smashing tom hiddleston around and all sort of time of stuff yeah. like that's where it got so much fun for a lot of people and sort of forgot all the nonsense that happened before it and everything I, i'm probably wrong they probably enjoyed it all the way through but for me i, I just didn't like it up until that well, i think a lot of i think a lot of people would say the first hour is not as engaging as the last hour mm -hmm. and i would certainly say that and mm -hmm. i would put that first hour if, if that last hour hadn't been so just flamboyantly fun um you know i'd probably put this movie up there with you know age of ultron and you know civil war and winter soldier mm -hmm. the movies that most fans like more than me um but man joss whedon really hit it out of the park here in terms of like for the first time we get a huge scale multi-hero battle of course we've got completely throwaway villains here in these alien things but loki is fantastic and then yeah he gives us those cheer stand up and rah rah moments yeah. with hulk beating up loki and with iron man shooting his lasers off of cap shield yeah. and i mean it's just so much to enjoy if you're not smiling by the end of that movie there might be something wrong with you yeah i think i like the first part better than than you guys did because and because of the joss whedon influence because the dialogue is sharp mm -hmm. ruffalo and um robert downey jr play off of each other super super well yeah, yeah. and that's not even to to mention him and chris evans i mean they they play off in a more antagonistic way 
but the way that they just kind of almost instantly bond, like you mm-hmm. can see like a little bit of flicker in both of their eyes. And the addition of Mark Ruffalo to this universe was awesome. Yeah. That was a great idea. Yeah, considering that they'd gone through two Hulks already yeah. and um then they just throw this, you know, throw Ruffalo in like here. Yeah. You know, be Hulk, man, you know. Uh but yeah, Ruffalo is is perfect for this. Yeah. He's always been I mean, he's all he's always been a great actor, you know. Mm. He's just somebody who's enjoyable to watch and this is perfect for him. Mm um but yeah I, I i agree with you with the joss whedon influence and everything that's what i was probably enjoying the most about the movie was mm-hmm. just his dialogue and stuff like that which gets bad though for age of ultron later yeah on. it gets to the point of just why why are they continuing to quip through everything <laughs> you know it just it you know it just language yeah um <laughs> But I was enjoying that part. I just didn't enjoy the action whatsoever until the like last part of it. And even the last part of it's got its moments where you're just like, what? I still, to this day, Scarlett Johansson cocking that gun <laughs> yeah. is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen, in a, especially in a big, you know, like hero shot and everything. What are you going to do with that fucking thing? Well, yeah, exactly. At least Jeremy Renner has like cool arrows that can do other things mm-hmm. it's not just like a nine millimeter bullet yeah it's gonna do what it's gonna do you know yeah yeah well though she does later on start getting you know lightsaber widgets <laughs> and other toys because mm-hmm. maybe they realized it was a little stupid to whip out those guns yeah, <laughs> yeah. well i mean that was the shot that got everybody on board right they yeah. look at them all in that one <laughs> shot but then there's that really conspicuous gun cocking <laughs> and you're like is that is that gonna factor somehow <laughs> these are aliens right okay all right um and then it wasn't the only big comic book movie because one two punch basically this year dark knight rises was yep. also um a big one heavily disappointing movie for me yeah and i still enjoy watching it uh i just cringe way more than i do when i watch any other of the nolan batman movies just there's it's clunky uh it doesn't make a whole lot of sense in a no. lot of areas uh i don't think uh all the performances are up to par mm-hmm. this time out um but there are moments that they, that fight with bane where bane beats his ass and breaks mm-hmm. his back yeah um and and of course that i read that whole comic series where bane the character breaks batman's back and it's a lot more interesting that way than it is in this um because here he's mostly a brute and isn't really given as much credit for his intelligence as the comic book version of Bane had. But yeah. anyway, I love that fight. Uh, there are moments to really, really enjoy, but it's just kind of a one big mess. Yeah, Tom Hardy's great again. Um, the you know his his characterization of Bane is is the best part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know there were some things I was worried about when they showed that big uh, four minute uh, thing uh, before Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. Yeah um that i was like okay well i can't understand him at all of course they addressed that immediately yeah we're gonna clean up his dialogue a little bit even though still you can't hear everything he says or everything but uh you know that's uh that's just an interesting voice and and everything it's just it's uh it's a unique character i really liked it but movie itself man like we were taught we talked about this earlier you know they were going to probably bring joker back into this thing if it wasn't for heath ledger and uh and so scrambling and trying to get this movie done on a certain time and everything is like why couldn't you just have given it a year or two does the the comic book series does that have a return of the joker well the joker's returned plenty of times and this is just a loose adaptation of the bane oh okay in the in the comics it's a much different story uh, but he does 
drop him over his yeah, knee yeah. and break his back like he does in Dark Knight Rises, which is just an homage to that. Yeah. One of, yeah, one of the surprising things about this movie was Anne Hathaway's character mm-hmm. being one of my favorite parts of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, which it seems silly because in this universe, having a Catwoman, even like an over-the-top psychotic Catwoman like what was in Batman Returns, just seemed kind of out of place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she, you know, being the cat burglar and having the the uh, the spectacles being part of the the ears that that you see in the thing, I thought, man, she really surprised me, and it, it was really good. But overall, man, I have I was incredibly disappointed. There was so much buildup to this movie. Yeah. There were people threatening Rotten Tomatoes to yeah. say like the reviewers giving it bad reviews even before they had seen it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, you really there was enormously high expectations for this, but even so, man, I I didn't like it. Yeah, they, there's not a set piece in this movie that makes me go, oh, that's kind of like the bank robbery, or they're, they're you know they're you know they're trying to do something kind of like that or anything. Well, they tried here, with the plane sequence in the opening. Yeah, and but, I do love the music because the music's yeah. like, and I I do love a lot of the elements of that. It's a redonkulous set piece yeah. it's a way over crashing this plane right um but yeah they didn't they didn't come close to what that bank robbery seemed yeah to. I, and that that plane sequence is is pretty basic when it comes down to it i mean not that i could go out and shoot one today or anything. <laughs> i'm not trying With to GoPro? i'm not trying to impugn anybody's <laughs> filmmaking abilities here or anything it's just that it's not it's not to the level of like plot wise of oh, what no. that that bank robbery is whereas Everybody who does their set, you know, their special thing gets shot right afterwards. Uh, and, but you know, and it's got a couple of cool stunts in it at the beginning, whatever. But man, yeah, it's 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 a good one. It's just man, that's the only it's the only one that even tries to come close. Everything else is just a freak. It does mess. have the best Batman line ever at the end when he faces Bane and he says, "No, I come back to stop you." Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh my god they didn't quip enough right yeah yeah exactly <laughs> well there was another big um superhero movie this year yeah uh the amazing spider-man mm-hmm. and it's fitting we talk about these three movies because these were the three first sins videos that we ever made yeah an amazing spider-man avengers and dark knight rises um i like the amazing spider-man i do too uh i don't like the turning of the cranes cheesiness yeah. um but i love andrew andrew garfield in the role so much and i'm st- the, the disappointing thing to me about this particular incarnation of Spider-Man not working out is that we lose Sally Field and Emma Stone and Shailene Woodley and Andrew Garfield in all their respective roles for the whole series. And they were all just so great. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, who knows what they're going to do moving forward. But uh, I, I understand why people didn't like it very much, but I, I sure kind of did. Yeah. The problem it had immediately was just the fact that we were telling an origin story a mere 10 years after we had the right. last origin yeah. story. And this is the reason why this movie exists was the first sin yeah. that was ever done. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, to go through all that over again is just it's kind of like when we see a batman movie we always got to see the wayne parents yep um even when we see a batman v superman movie we gotta go back yeah. to wayne parents. yeah and what is up with that too uh but this is an overall enjoyable movie and i really like the the sewer scene in this where he's got all those like connected yeah you know it's it, that's a really cool you know that's inventive for spider-man and it wasn't like you know up to the level of any of the sam raimi ones it was better than spider-man 3 for sure right 
Um, but it has a lot of like fun stuff in it. It sure does. Yeah. yeah. And so, I thought he was as good or better than Tobey Maguire in the role. And yeah, yeah. Stone had good chemistry, which of course was becoming real life chemistry. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I'm sad that we won't get to see all those actors again in this universe. Uh, the, the second one, it, not anywhere near worth discussing no, <laughs> no. Uh, but i like this first one uh, a lot so. yeah and so you mentioned the uh the sins videos it was uh, as this recording is on december 15th it was two days ago we had our four-year anniversary woohoo yeah so, uh so yeah four years yeah it's amazing that is crazy uh, it's funny that this movie exists was the that was the first sin ever mm-hmm. right yeah and in the comments there's still people that say everything wrong with this it's that it exists yeah yeah Ding. yeah uh, I wonder if that actually still comes from that first scene, but obviously it's in a completely different context. No, You're it comes that, from that because yeah. that's, that's, I mean, and it's only been used one other time. One other time. Was it the Cinderella? Was it? I think it was, it was one of those Cinderella. Disney remakes uh, where it was used one other time. And, and yeah, I mean, and people took that to mean like <laughs> just the movie itself, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. should never have been made, but it's more, it's more about retelling this story that we've always already <laughs> well, like the live action beauty and the beast might get that sin yeah right because yeah, it looks yeah. like it's going to be the exact same thing as the first movie so. yeah uh but yeah all three of those were in the top 10 um also coming out the hunger games oh yeah, yeah. which was the first and best hunger games it all went downhill from there i really liked the first one yeah um, I did too. and i hadn't read the book still haven't and they lose me pretty quick into the second one but i enjoyed the first one a lot the hunger, oh yeah hunger games has a problem that i feel like stuff like um um hancock and i'm gonna, I'm gonna get to this <laughs> point in a minute <laughs> hancock and uh there's another movie i'm thinking of oh like fantastic four where like fantastic four we're watching a bunch of people who don't want their abilities yeah which is not fun at all <laughs> and then like in hancock it's like oh he's drunk and that's what we want him to stay as but his character has to grow in the movie we never want to see him not be a drunk or whatever hunger games we never want to see them get to to win against evil do we we want to see them fight against each other all the time right am i alone I don't know. Are we? Are you saying we the film viewer or we the people of Pan Am? We the film viewer don't ever want them. To, the 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 reason why the Hunger Games is fun, yeah, is because it appeals to our uh n- like negative side on that. We want to see them kill each other. That's the reason why it's called the Hunger Games. That's why there's people who wanted to want who read the books in the first place. I think you're just a sick bastard because I. <laughs> So you watched Hunger Games. So you watched Hunger Games, going. I hope nobody dies in this. I watched it thinking that, well, knowing that people were going to die. You watched it saying, it. "I hope Rue dies." Yeah, <laughs> definitely, especially Haru. She was the worthless. Whole point is to work up to taking down this autocratic system. It makes it terrible. It makes. I agree with you. It make that's why we don't want to see that happen. Yeah. Well, you're kind of discussing. The moonlighting Ross and Rachel problem, mm-hmm. right? Is yeah, that, you yeah. know, the the natural outcome is for Ross and Rachel to get together. But mm-hmm. once we do that, we lose all the tension and therefore all the comedy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. friends very wisely kept them apart for the most part all the way through its run. Uh, it's the same kind of problem, I think. When it becomes about revolution, it becomes like any other bullshit fucking revolution. It's movie. Red Dawn, yeah. basically. And, yeah. and that's why we want to see the games of the Hunger Games. And I know that there's a lot of people who probably don't understand it. I had two confused looks in the, this room right now. 
But we don't, uh, to me, when I'm watching something called Hunger Games, I want to see people surviving out in the jungle. Yeah, that's true. They're, they're surviving on their wits and their intelligence, smarts, and all. This, and I'm saying a bunch of things that are the same thing. And uh, the sponsors and, and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, the sponsors and their, and their ability to, you know, kill other people. I mean, yeah, they don't want to do it, but mm. that's part of the appeal of it. Yeah. Is that You're right. It would be boring if the movie opened with them all going, we refuse to fight. Yeah. <laughs> and we actually want to see the games. That's the point. Right. Yeah. So that that's the thing that's always been upsetting to me. They, sp- they made this out in the four fucking movies. Yeah. And the, the Catching Fire one was pre- pretty much still stayed to that Hunger Games thing, but it was all more about getting her off of that thing and making yeah. her a symbol and that's why i felt like those movies failed to me personally uh for a lot of people they're the bees fucking knees and that's fine <laughs> uh but no, um, i hear what you're saying i also i really like jennifer lawrence of course is is really good in this but woody harrelson's performance is really good mm-hmm. too yeah um almost surprisingly good it's it's those minor characters later uh philip seymour hoffman's mm-hmm. uh turn and uh, Lenny Kravitz actually is is good in this too, and Donald Sutherland is creepy as hell. Of course, so. we pointed out how bad Lenny Kravitz was in this Sims video. Well, and he's just playing Lenny Kravitz. He's yeah. playing Lenny Kravitz. He's a costume designer and rock star and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's a it's it's a type of world that I'm. And we've talked about concepts uh, in movies sometimes being half the thing, mm-hmm. and here it's half the thing. I'm I'm there for you, mm-hmm. and then it, it just it's uh, we want to make this about like let's get it over on president snow by the end of this <laughs> teach donald sutherland a lesson yeah you know? and honestly they could have gone i mean if they wanted to make two or three movies and then at the very end of the, the last one you topple the government and everybody cheers that's, yeah that's fine but that's the, the problem here both from the book and the movie standpoint is they don't they want to keep focusing on the main character that you love and from the movie standpoint they have to get jennifer lawrence back so even though the natural story to tell might be seven years later when they do another hunger games uh they they can't squeeze enough of the characters from the first one into that so they have yeah. to come up with a reason to make revolution i'll tell know. you this, it's like the running man the mm-hmm. running man has is uh, an hour and a half long it's it's they put him in an arena and he fights in the arena and he wins and it's the, that's the movie they didn't split it into two parts no they didn't they didn't <laughs> the um, running man part one that's right <laughs> um they didn't even think about that back in 1987 uh, but, uh, but like, that's what I want to see. And I want to see something that's, I want to see inventive traps and mm. stuff like they're like, yeah. they're like going and like going, all right, how do we kill these people? Well, you know, how do let's, let's throw this stuff out there. And there was a lot of stuff that I just didn't even understand. Mm. Like at the end, there's just like random dogs or something that people who read the book said, oh, well, those are the past, uh, uh, the <laughs> losers or whatever. Like, yeah, they didn't say that in the movie anywhere the past losers yeah like the people who had gotten killed in the arena became these mechanical dog things <laughs> yeah, really? yeah that's crazy that's insane. like like that's, that's what kooky. that that that's how they got them back into the game is just making a mechanical dog wow thing. and and uh and in the movie they just show up and you're like oh yeah the fuck is that yeah <laughs> uh what else guys well i will switch gears quite a bit here Let's i, do I want to talk about the master yeah uh, i knew you would yes um we talk a lot about paul thomas anderson mm-hmm. and how brilliant he is up until this point he really hasn't missed up to this point mm-hmm. and really you can make an argument that he's never missed right and i know a lot of people don't like this nearly as much as i do uh but man talk about a concept a big heavy concept of a somewhat 
uh, Scientology type pseudo religion, mm-hmm. and with insanely good and intense performances from Philip Seymour Hoffman, but also Joaquin Phoenix and Amy Adams. Mm-hmm. I am so fucking there. It's unreal. Yeah. And, and this movie delivered not only that, but you get to see it in the in the uh, movie theaters on that 65 millimeter print mm-hmm. and all that. It was gorgeous and it was perfectly paced. The performances were on point. Oh, I love this it's movie. It's one of those movies you can just sort of dive into and you will never... I think I could watch this five more times and still not completely get everything mm-hmm. that he's going for here. Because Joaquin Phoenix's character is very hard to put your finger yes. on. Yes. And 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 he's kind of like what Vince Vaughn's talking about in Swingers. He's like, I want you to be like the guy in the rated R movie. <laughs> you know, we're not too sure about yet. <laughs> you know? Um and uh and and he's like that. He's and there's that scene where he's, you know, they're dri- they're riding the motorcycles and he just keeps riding. Yep. Philip Seymour Hoffman's like, well, he's coming back sometime, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he's not. He's not coming back. <laughs> um, oh, Jesus. The way they, they play off of each other. I've talked about that scene where he does the auditing or clearing session, um, and he just there's those intense close-up shots. In fact, it's an unbroken shot uh, for a long time on Joaquin Phoenix's character uh, where he's just trying. He can't blink, and he's got to answer these rapid-fire questions and everything. Mm-hmm. And it is so amazing. But then you get the ending scene of where Philip Seymour Hoffman is saying that, you know, either he's all in or, or all out. And then he starts singing that song to him. And Joaquin Phoenix tears up. Another unbroken shot. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. And and uh, Paul Thomas Anderson was also quick to point out that even though the um, it's easy to say this is Scientology and everything, it's really any kind of religion mm-hmm. that comes up, you know, and they start making up their own rules and and everything and especially this scene this movie's got a scene in it where he just basically just completely on the spot makes up stuff that yes you know, are you talking about the one in the dinner party yeah yeah yeah. that is an amazing scene you know what i'm talking about because they've uh it, it's he's he's dazzling these people mm-hmm. and that's where the skeptic comes in and he's like how is that different from hypnosis yeah, and that yeah, kind of thing. yeah but what you can see that's why he's such a great actor is that you can see tiny little cracks mm-hmm in his story, because he's so eloquent and he's so Johnny on the spot about like, you know, here's my philosophy and here's where going back in time and all this stuff. But he plays it so there's millisecond pauses where you can see his brain making it up as he goes yeah. along. And it, oh, Jesus. Yeah. I'm saying all a lot. I need to give this movie another shot. It's not a movie that you're going to watch like oh, this is going to be exhilarating. Mm. You're not watching this to be exhilarated, uh, but you are watching it to watch. Just, it. I feel like a lot of times life is like this, where you just can't figure out people. Mm-hmm. And this is what, yeah. <laughs> what this whole thing is, is you can't figure them out. There's very complex things in play here. Um and it's a movie that I'm, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to watch and find new meanings out of mm-hmm. all the time. It's one of those type of movies. It's an epic. I mean, it's 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 where Paul Thomas Anderson probably shoots as high as he's ever shot, mm-hmm. and I think he nailed it. Yeah, I do too. And I mean, I'm sure that I mean, sure, there's a pretty good argument that he didn't mm-hmm. too. I mean, if you didn't like, if you don't don't like it, and you, there's probably some good art. That's how, sure. the kind of movie this is. Yeah, yeah. If you don't like it, there's probably a really good argument as to why you didn't like it, too. Well, I saw it once and didn't like it. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm starting to wonder if I was just in a weird place with my own religious upbringing when I saw it this It could movie. be, but it could also be Oh, yeah, be no, that, it'll tap into all that stuff, definitely. But it also could be that you genuinely didn't like it. I mean, it's not that... I mean, I, I think that it's one of those type of movies, right? It just doesn't... It doesn't ask to be liked in any way. Like, no, it just, it's very, like, this is what this movie is. Mm-hmm. You can like it or not, you know, mm. basically. I mean... I mean, it's not it's definitely not pop entertainment no no definitely not you know it's art yeah yeah it's artistic like, right okay well um we had uh quite a few animated hits here um brave was the top one of Ooh. the year yeah and this was the first time they did something original that i didn't like pixar yep um and it, it to me it was mainly just because of two things um it was yet another princess story where the princess doesn't want to get married and all this other type yep. of stuff, uh, which is, I mean, that's fine. Keep it that way, though. Yeah. It, it then segues into this mother bear type, but they already had come out with brother bear, yeah. which was the exact same deal. Basically. It was the exact same movie. Yeah. And they made it again, essentially, in this Pixar movie. And and I, I say, if you're going to make your, your heroine a... Uh, you know, independent type of like, I'm not going to get married just because my parents say so and all that. Make her be the adventure, not yeah. this whole like, let's make it about, let's, you know, see if I can get my mom to like me again or, you know, get a, get our reconcile with my mom, basically. Or well, there was also a lot of that Shrek style, DreamWorks, scatological style humor yeah. with the guys in kilts and, and all the burping and it just felt like a lazy effort, and, mm-hmm. and I hate to use that adjective to describe anything Pixar does, because I truly believe they care about their jobs and that their stories, um, but it just didn't feel like they gave it their all this time out. It's the most generic Pixar movie, I mm-hmm. think, uh, which is, like you said, is saying something. I mean, at least as bad as Cars 2 was, they were kind of going for something, mm-hmm. but this, it just seems basic yeah. all the way around. Yeah, there's no, there's no real... Uh, hook to it and like i said even if the hook was supposed to be that mom turns into a bear they did brother bear yeah. just a few years before that it is uh, <laughs> you know i re- remember watching this movie going okay okay i can kind of dig this or whatever and then that happened i was like oh <laughs> we saw this right it really is a break squealing moment right like i think i remember turning <laughs> my wife going did that mom just turn into a bear? The, the, the yeah. movie is the hard left turn after yeah. like 30 minutes. So weird. Um, and then Madagascar 3, Europe's Most Wanted. I don't even remember this movie. Mm, no. And uh, and Dr. Seuss, The Lorax, which I did not like at all. I didn't either. And all three of those movies made over $200 million domestic. Wasn't there an Ice Age this year, too? I'm sure there was. Every year has an Ice Age. <laughs> <laughs> No, there was Ice Age Continental Drift came out as well. Oh, wow. It made 161 domestic. Um, yeah, uh, it was sort of an underwhelming animation year, actually. except for Wreck It Ralph. Wreck It yeah. Ralph, baby. This is, in my opinion, the finest animated feature of the last ten years. Ah, it's a good. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's better than Zootopia. I think it's better than Inside Out. I think it's better than Frozen. Um, I think it's better than Tangled. Big Hero um, Six. It's better than Big Hero 6. And I like Big Hero 6. And I think a lot of this has to do with John C. Riley. Oh, yeah. my God, does it? And he's, he's, it's amazing. Like last night, Boogie Nights was on. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I was one of those things where it's late at night and like, I could watch this whole movie yeah. right now. <laughs> and I had to, had to cut it off. 
But just watching John C. Riley in some of the smallest moments in that movie, he's just great. He's such a terrific actor. And here he gets to carry a whole animated feature, and he's fantastic. Oh, he's a, a, a ray of sunshine. But the voice cast across the board kills yeah. it. Like Sarah Silverman playing a little girl. Yeah. Um, Alan Tudyk playing oh, yeah. King Candy, who is basically a loose impression of some famous comedian whose name I always forget. Uh, but I had no idea that was Alan Tudyk until I looked at the credits at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, Jane what Lynch, yeah, Jane is Lynch. A, the soldier boss lady. Uh, yeah, uh, they draw like an almost exact replica of Jane Lynch. They do <laughs> a very hot version. Yeah, of- about, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I just love it. It's goofy. It's wacky. It's charming. Um, it's just a big fat home run. It's definitely the most hilarious animated movie of the last ten years because it's genuinely like laugh out it loud is for, full of humor. for adults yeah. and kids. Well, especially at the very beginning when he's talking about like. You know, some of the messes that you see on here, something that would never get fixed in a thousand years or whatever. <laughs> when I come in and, you know, blah, 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 you know they, they, that guy comes in and he becomes the hero and everything. Uh, it's a, it's kind of a funny thing to think about uh, that, you know, he's the bad guy because he wrecks it. He wrecks it in the in the arcade game. But somebody comes along and magically touches yeah. everything and he's the hero, you know um but yeah it sort of ties into that whole like love of video games which is something that pixels later on doesn't do yeah very, yeah do very well um but there's a lot of little easter eggs and stuff if you yeah. played games in the 80s you saw a lot of references yeah cubert's yeah, in there yeah the whole conversation with cubert yeah <laughs> it's hilarious yeah um yeah I, I, if you haven't seen it for some reason or haven't already noticed how much i love it and talk about it um uh, just stop the podcast right now and go go watch wreck it ralph uh but uh yeah it's fantastic what's amazing is how all these animated movies were like all in a cluster on that domestic take it was brave and then you could almost call ted animated <laughs> you could but, but skipping ted madagascar 3 the lorax and wreck it ralph it's like four of the four of that eight through 12 there oh is, yeah is all animated they all make about the same amount of money hmm uh, but yeah, love Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah, it's some stuff. good shit. Speaking of Ted. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of a twist on the Bad Santa story. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> could have called this Bad Teddy. Bad yeah. Teddy. Yes, yeah. exactly. And it would have fit, fit right right nicely into that that world. Uh, I actually liked Ted. Yeah. A um, little, bit, little bit surprising to me. Yeah, I, I enjoy this too. And I, I know like Seth MacFarlane gets a lot of shit. Yep. Uh, family guy can be some somewhere between totally unfunny and occasionally like gives you like great moments of yeah. fun. like it's just it's you have to watch lots of unfunny to get to like super funny and then some mildly funny here and there ted is is one of those it's like it's got a lot of funny in it yep and there's some stuff that's obviously not funny too but overall well done yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and even ted too which i've seen two or three times now because they always on hbo uh ted 2 which didn't do anything um is actually got some moments in it that movie's not nearly as funny as the mm-hmm. first one but it's got moments in it but yeah this first one i really enjoyed it i like seeing mark Wahlberg play a slacker mm-hmm. like i think he did that he pulled that off pretty well even though like he's this yeah, ultra fit usually like he's always the just he's, he's uptight, the lone gunman or something like that yeah you know? he's like, uptight and just he, no humor at all yeah even in the departed mm-hmm. where he's got some of the funniest lines he's not really a funny guy <laughs> you know uh but in here he's just yeah he's just kind of like letting it you yeah. know 
letting it play. Another comedy that surprised me with how much I enjoyed it was 21 Jump Street. Yes. Which, uh, you know, I didn't feel like it needed to be made when they announced it. I used to love me some 21 Jump Street, the Mm. TV show. Like, I was obsessed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, the pairing of actors, it just felt like one of those that was going to fall flat. Yeah. And so I didn't even see it until it came out on like HBO or something. And Mm -hmm. I laughed my ass off. Yeah. When you see Channing Tatum in this... And he's been known for really only one thing, Step Up and... G.I. Joe, Rise of the Cobra. Yeah, G.I. Magic Joe, Mike. <laughs> Magic Mike and all that. It's like, uh, you know, and then you you see some parts in there where he's, they really let him shine. And yeah. It's great. You would never have thought that. Um, I just love the, I love the whole thing with the chalkboard and everything. Yeah. And he's like, fuck you, science. <laughs> you <know? laughs> that scene, you talk about physical comedy, but that scene where they're fingering each other's mouths to make them throw up yeah, just kills yeah, me every yeah, time yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah. It's like, it's not working. It's not worth it. Just stick each other. Yeah. yeah it's awful. And uh, we had uh, another uh, Brie Larson appearance in this before mm-hmm. she really sort of took took off and everything. She's good in this as well. But uh, but yeah, a lot of times you do a re like um, an adaptation of a TV show or whatever, and they've gone this route before. They did it with Brady Bunch. They did it with Beverly Hillbillies. They do this stuff where they're like bewitched. Yeah, they do it where it's like, oh, we kind of have this knowing nod to the original series. It's not going to be the original series. It's more sat- satirical yeah. than anything. And that's what this is. It's uh, it's more about being aware of themselves, especially 22 Jump Street. They're very yeah. aware well, and I think that's that's Lord and Miller, right? That that did this, yeah, and then yeah, later Lego did the movie. Lego movie, yeah. where it's very clear that they had like an appreciation of the original product, but they you know can turn it on its head enough to where it's super entertaining. Mm-hmm. I love those guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, those are great. Um, one of the uh, I guess one of the big prestige pictures that came out this year is Django Unchained. Mm-hmm. Django. Um, this is. Probably, I mean, it's. I like Django. I like this movie a lot. It's very low on the Tarantino totem pole for me. Me too. Um, I don't like this nearly as much as any of his other movies. I think it's somewhere in the middle for me. Mm-hmm. It, even more than normal, it's excessive on all levels. It's a little too long. It's a little too violent. There's a little too much N-word. There's a little too much blood. Uh, but I'm, I'm there. I enjoy pretty much the whole ride. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always interesting to see somebody like Leo do uh, such a terrible person role where mm-hmm. he's just an evil bastard. Yeah. And he you know, usually would turn that kind of thing down. Um, and I think the music is fantastic. In oh, this yeah. Um, but uh, I, so I, I like it more than you, but it's not it, it's in the middle. It's not shining out above you know the rest of his body of work. Yeah. You can see where he's going here. Like he's going for the black exploitation slash Western feel and everything. And all that that contains, the the ultra violence and the uh, the language and things like that, I just think he dials it up to twelve, and that is too much for me. Eleven would have done good. Yeah, eleven would have been fine. <laughs> I could have worst one of the worst cameos I think of all time is when he inserts himself into this movie mm-hmm. with that hideous Australian yep. accent. I'm not a big fan of jonah hill's cameo either yeah. i like that scene yeah. it's very funny but it just seems shockingly unnecessary to have yeah. him cam- but you're right it's always it's always bad when tarantino's acting in his own movies yeah do uh, you really think pulp fiction wouldn't be better with somebody else playing that it role would definitely be better <laughs> oh. it would definitely be <laughs> sure. better 
uh christoph vaults won his second oscar for this yeah and he was great yeah it. he's great he's basically i mean this is he's not much of a step away from from Hans yeah. yeah uh but uh but yeah kind of like uh sort of pulled a hillary swank or a kevin spacey there where it was like couple years after he did after he won one he came out with another one mm-hmm. just got it won the oscar right I mean, it's like it's, it's a lot of people it takes you know it takes al pacino 20 years to win one but uh christoph waltz won two in four years um but uh yeah i i am not i'm not a big fan of this um sort of along that same era lincoln came out mm-hmm. yeah um and you don't like lincoln though do you no because I do, here's the deal. Like a lot of biopics, I think the lead performer is outstanding. Mm-hmm. I love the way he tells stories in this movie to lower the guards of the people around him and gain their trust. Uh, the movie doesn't move me very much. And that ending where they go to his being shot is so tacked on. Yeah. The whole rest of the goddamn movie is about the other stuff not mm-hmm. that and yeah. it just feels unnecessary oh yeah he died famously we can't do a movie about him without including right. that right <laughs> yeah because so. there'll be people at the end going wait a minute yeah you let you put you left out the biggest part didn't he die i saw that in um national treasure <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember, you know, this is one of those movies I can't remember whether I really liked well or not. Hmm. Um, I felt like Spielberg was sort of back on his serious level, and I thought he did a good job, and I thought Daniel Day-Lewis was was great. He won his third Oscar for this movie. Um, and I think that's what it all boils down to, is that Daniel Day-Lewis is so good mm-hmm. that I liked the movie. But you're right, there's so many things about the movie itself. But I, I do enjoy the sort of the... Um, you know how the senators are all trying to decide whether or not they're going to vote for this and the politics involved yeah. and everything i think that's a really good part of of this movie but yeah like the tacked on ending there's like a there's a lot of like just there's i didn't really like sally field in this movie oh you didn't and she got nominated for mm-hmm. an oscar for this and i didn't really like all the mary todd lincoln and his son mm-hmm. and all that other well, type movie of- also suggests that you just buy whatever you want Right. It also suggests this famous piece of legislation from this famous guy. He we, he did some crooked things to get that to happen, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that bothered me too. Even if it's true, yeah, I like the Lincoln from my textbook in fourth grade <laughs> and from National Treasure. <laughs> he was and from the and from National Treasure. <laughs> All right, name some others, guys. Looper, Looper, Looper is awesome. A Looper is awesome. Um, thank God it wasn't just a cool concept, mm-hmm. but it also had a cool movie to go along with it. With with different movements even mm-hmm. um, because you get that opening Joseph Gordon-Levin movement and then you get that Emily Blunt on the farm quiet movement and then you get the Bruce Willis you know living out his life in the future oh, I love this movie so so much basically the premise is these assassins work for so long and then are sent back in time to kill themselves mm-hmm. and that alone should hook you um, yeah. with the talent involved it's Ryan Johnson who yeah. made Brick and uh, directed two of the most famous popular episodes of Breaking yeah, Bad. Yeah, one was Fly, I think. Fly yeah. was the, uh, one of the And is making uh, episode eight. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so uh, definitely a director to, to check out and watch, but the movie's fantastic. All the performances hold up, um, and it also gave me one of my favorite sins of all time in the Sins video. Bruce Willis killed a little kid, and I'm okay with that. Oh, yeah, I'm not, okay, I'm with not okay with that. You know what my favorite part of this is? It has no explanation whatsoever. Because this this was one of the rare ones where you did it and I did nothing on it. 
Uh, but there's a part in there, and it's especially because there's a. It's just the way the how fast the video is going and everything. You're like, you're like, why is this? Why is that? And why is there gold in the road? <laughs> um, but uh, another concept here, where you know you have good, awesome time travel, you know, uh, gets you in there immediately. I love that scene too, where the guy is like slowly deteriorating from getting killed. Oh yeah, and he, yeah, like trying to explain that to somebody who doesn't understand what's going on is the most impossible thing yeah ever they're like yeah but but i'm like i don't know how to i don't know what to tell you man <laughs> just go with <laughs> yeah, it just yeah you're gonna have to accept it it is a cool concept though like uh closing the loop yeah it's just it is genius and the way that uh jeff daniels describes it he's like this time travel fry your, mm -hmm. fry your he's brain so later. good in this movie yeah, he's great like sometimes he phones it in but sometimes he's just electric and he is electric in this mm -hmm. movie uh everyone's really good even the guy who's unknown to me his right hand man who keeps fucking up the whole movie mm -hmm. yeah uh he's really great and paul dano's in this and he's yeah. really good uh if you have not seen looper and you like sci-fi stuff uh please check it out it's yeah. really really good absolutely well let's talk about skyfall yeah uh continuation skyfall. of the brooding bond mm -hmm. um the pouty bond mm -hmm. but in this one he's a little bit more loose you mm -hmm. know and i think it's Problem. In fact, it is my favorite of the the Daniel Craig Bond. Yeah, mine uh, too. Films, and it has the best Bond theme song I think ever. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's Adele. Uh, yeah. Doing Skyfall. It's Although amazing. there's an episode of Frasier where Frasier and his brother and father sing the Goldfinger song yeah. around a piano at a bar. That sometimes threatens to change my mind because <laughs> there's something about seeing those those two nerds and their jock dad singing that song. But yes, this is the best Bond theme, hands down. Yes, uh, Skyfall is probably the best of the Daniel Craig Bonds. Um, the problem for me is that the whole and and Javier Bardem is one of the best villains. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, the uh, the whole plan is so joker in the dark night and mm. i know this it's not anything new that i'm saying here this is you know many many people pointed this out but but after after watching the dark night and then watching this you're like oh yeah. come on and and it's just as ridiculous too mm. it's just as ridiculous oh yeah it's if you it's it's a definitely a turn your brain off kind of movie but there are so many gorgeous moody shots when he goes up to the old homestead and it's all yeah. foggy up there and then when there's the fire later at night like i just i love the look of this movie i, I really love watching it and uh, uh, i just turned my brain off well and that's the the sam mendes uh effect i'm sure he probably used conrad hall or somebody like that on this but uh yeah the cinematography yeah even this. that stuff like in the caribbean or mexico or wherever he goes at the beginning of the yeah. movie uh is really really cool you yeah. know and it's it's definitely Bond like we've never seen him. You know, he's all drunk and like taking shots of the scorpion on his hand, yeah, stuff like that. Uh, but and then Judy Dench is like probably her her best, certainly her best presentation as M in this. Yeah, they gave her I think the best material to work with yeah. this time out, and uh, she's always great. But um, yeah, I really like it. Actually, the cinematography is by Roger Deakins. That makes even oh, more yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, Conrad Hall, I think he'd used... Conrad Hall may have died before this movie came out. Oh, really? Um, but uh, but Deakins is a legend in his own you know in his own right. But um, but yeah, it's a, just a gorgeous Bond movie. You've mm -hmm. never seen anything like this yeah. before. Another one of our favorite directors, Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah. Yes. Um, 
this one brought me back to mm-hmm. Wes Anderson. Like I was starting to lose interest, even though most of my friends around me had not. Uh, but this one, there's something about this that just hit me. Maybe it's because I went to so many stupid camps when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. And I was in Cub Scouts and all that shit. But, man, I love this movie. It's so fucking charming. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it really is. Um, And, and you know, what you're referring to about Wes Anderson there, and, is, and that's it. You hadn't seen Fantastic Mr. Fox at the right. time. Was that he had come out with Darjeeling Limited and The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou yep. and all this. And it was beginning to beginning to think that he's he'd run out of ideas that were you know worthwhile and everything this is gets him right back into wes anderson yep. land and i and i love it um and just the 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 it's a fun little love story between like 12 year olds yep. basically yeah um and, and just the way they communicate to each other is 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 great I do love that scene too, where his dog gets shot and he goes and he's like, he's like, uh, sitting there looking at the dog. He's dead and everything. She's like, was he a good dog? And he goes, who's to say he shouldn't, he didn't deserve to die. <laughs> Completely straight face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like he's a police, a grizzled police detective right. or something. <laughs> yeah. We got a million people in this though. Edward Norton, yep. Bruce Willis, Harvey Keitel, uh, Jason Schwartzman makes a brief appearance. Yep. And uh, it's just Tilda Swinton, Tilda Swinton, and, uh, and Francis McDormand, of course, yeah. and Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Yeah. It's an enormous cast, which is funny. Bob Balaban is in yeah. it too. It's funny because it's set on this very small island mm-hmm. uh, where we, we're not even sure exactly where it is. But it's it's weird because the movie starts out very Wes Anderson-y, like everything's yeah. centered, everything's cutesy. You go through the house. And all that stuff. And you just kind of get used to, you're like, all right, well, we're going to see another one of these fucking movies. And then eventually it kind of, it finally gets to the kids part. And that's where it just takes the hell off, yep. man. It's it's unlike any like kids centric movie that I think I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. And it gets a tiny bit creepy. Um, yeah, yeah, it at, does. At, at some point, because we are dealing with 12 year olds. Right. You know, um, but I was having this conversation with my wife. It is creepy to watch because mm-hmm. we know they're 12 yeah. and we're watching. Mm-hmm. But everything they do and say is perfectly natural for their s- scenario. Yep. It makes sense that they would she would say, well, we're going to get married. We should kiss now. Mm-hmm. Like things like that. Yeah. Uh, it all makes perfect sense. So yeah. it's hard for me to hold the, fault the movie for showing us that. Uh, when it really is kind of true. To yeah, life. if you're in the movie, then that you, you just zoom right past it. It's, yeah. it's great. But if you kind of take yourself out for a second, you're like, hey, yeah, right. there's there's a moment where you check yourself. Should I be watching this? But <laughs> but like what Jeremy? It's not a, anything. Too no, it's weird. nothing yeah, bad. Yeah. It's just that it, it it's it's sort of adult situations. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the the main kid in this is is so he's such a different dude, yeah. man. That he that's a memorable character yes he is what an, a unique character he doesn't give a fuck man. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> he's, he's very confident for a guy who is not very well liked well yeah, yeah because the, the kids hate him yeah but the adults love him yeah. like you know bruce Wells falls in love with them uh edward norton's character is really taken with them and everything uh and and like you as a viewer are almost immediately like he barges into that dressing room yeah. where his future girlfriend is and he's you know just starts talking to her he's yeah. like what kind of bird are you, <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah. but yeah what a great movie 
Um, also, let's see. We'll talk about a, a bad movie real quick. We don't have to talk about it long because I'm pretty sure we've talked about it. The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, started a <sighs> uh, a forced trilogy down our throats. Of And Peter Jackson uh, famously didn't want to do The Hobbit. And it was going to be Guillermo del Toro that was going to do it till he backed out. So Peter Jackson came in and, and did it. And he can tell the whole, I don't want to do this all the way through it. The effects I have become to this point, they've become uh, as cold as possible. Mm. There's no, there's no golem in this. There's no like, and he uses, well, there is a golem scene in this. There's no, there's no character we point to that's that we're saying oh that's as good as Gollum. no okay oh yeah, yeah you're right um and he used i believe he used a ton of extras in the first one because he had a lot of people in actual orc makeup and stuff like that mm. in the lord of the rings trilogy and here it was like well let's just go ahead and dial it up on the computer <laughs> nobody's gonna give a shit and of course you know these movies all made their money i mean they did. Uh, the only thing to praise in the entire trilogy is in this movie, and it's that scene where um, he basically gets the ring mm-hmm. um, in Gollum's lair. Uh, fantastic work by Andy Serkis yet again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but that's the that's the only part I liked, and I can find that on YouTube without having to watch the whole movie. So, yeah, yeah just the opposite of what the first trilogy was. Martin Freeman in general is, is just great to watch and and he's i mean if i mean if he wasn't in this we're talking about really bad i mean like there's some we're like he's enjoyable enough that it was just tolerable enough (laughs) yeah to watch but yeah i mean soulless money grabs is what those movies were yeah and uh and also it had no soul and it was just a money grab yeah there's also that this is a complete hypothetical but do you think if they had just done it in one movie that it would have worked yep yes because that is a short ass book yeah it would have they would have been able to concentrate on just making that mm. and not having to cut it into three and uh really seriously by the time it gets to the third movie there's so many things that just don't don't jibe anymore yeah. like it just i mean there was a whole there's a whole thing with these sandworms they're like oh we're gonna put these sandworms in here the sandworms are going to be something we need to worry about and then they're just out of the movie yeah yeah they're just gone they don't matter anymore they're like here they are they're in the battle gone um but yeah i wish they had made it one movie made it a good three hour movie and mm-hmm. and, and send us off mm. with that um Okay, so getting into the, some of the prestige pictures here. Argo won Best Picture. Argo, mm-hmm. go fuck yourself. Yeah, Argo, go fuck yourself. John Goodman and uh, Alan Arkin are great in this. Alan Arkin get nominated, but John Goodman famously never nominated for any of his performances. Wow. That's crazy. No, maybe not famously. Maybe I'm... Maybe I didn't realize that. He's I didn't. never been nominated. That is and a crime. He, and, he, and he was good in... He was good enough in this, I believe, to get nominated. Mm-hmm. I think he was great. He was good enough in Flight to get nominated. Mm-hmm. And neither of those performances got any love whatsoever. And I don't get it. Everybody loves John Goodman. Mm-hmm. And it's the guy's never even once... Like, Barton Fink, where he's, like, at his tip top, never got nominated... Uh, I feel like he could have been nominated like three or four times. But anyway, let's talk about Argo. Ben Affleck, his third feature. Yeah, and one best picture. Yep. Um, This is a tense-ass movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even if you know what happened, and it opens with, you know, basically the embassy under attack, and 
uh, it's just pulse pounding from yeah. the first five minutes in. Uh, and that is, I think, its greatest achievement is mm-hmm. that, you know, Affleck has shown us something different every time out. With Gone Baby Gone, it was drama and mystery. With The Town, it was action and um, heisty stuff. And with this one, it was it, more about tension. And yeah. it's really hard to do well. Yeah. And I think the movie gets more flack than it should. This is another one of those that I think a lot of people don't think should have won Best Picture or mm-hmm. only won by default because there wasn't any clear front runner. Uh, and, and I think Affleck himself gets flack for taking the main role and being just okay in it. But everyone around him just acts their ass off in this mm-hmm. movie, uh, especially all the p- people playing the captive people hiding in the Canadian minister's house. They're all fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it. I think it's great. I yeah. think it embellished history a little bit at the end, but yeah, it's Hollywood. Well, yeah, it embellished the fact that it was like a that tenth of a, a situation as far as like barely got on the plane yeah, and yeah. all that. They, they, I believe they easily got on the plane yeah. and, and flew off, but yeah. they made it tense. Oh, but that scene was oh, so, so fucking tense. Yeah, you can't make the movie <laughs> yeah. and not make it, you know. Yeah. The, and, and plus, a lot of the, a lot of the uh, criticism came out because there wasn't enough uh, glory to the Canadians who helped out in the, in mm. that and everything. It was, it was shown as more of an American operation, even though Canadians really, really did a lot mm. to, to make that happen. But just all in all, if you're just looking for a movie that's entertaining and does what it's supposed to do, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And I love uh, Brian Cranston in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has one or two moments where he blows up and is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> he has a couple of great line readings where he's like, this is the very best bad idea that we've got. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, if, I love it. I think it's under two hours or at least close to that. It's It doesn't ever feel overly long to me when I'm watching it. Uh, and I've seen it a handful of times. It's just really, really good. Yeah. Now, he, did he not get nominated for best director? Or he just didn't win for best director. Uh, he did not get nominated. He did not get nominated no. because Catherine Bigelow ended up winning best director, right, for Zero Dark Thirty, nope. or was she no? Nope. No, she nominated. wasn't nominated either. Ang Lee won for Life of Pi. Oh, wow. which is a whole other discussion we'll have to have in a second. Right. In fact, what you really see with the directing nominations here are some some people sort of horning in on it it's not their fault i mean it's just it's just the way i mean when you're considering what got nominated for best picture and everything like the the movie amour which is michael haneke got he got a directing nomination beasts of the southern wild the and i i I won't be able to it's ben zeitlin got nominated for that and then you have spielberg who was going to be you know Mm. automatic david o russell for silver live playbook um but i feel like one of those guys could have probably made room for ben affleck in this you know like that's one of those just doesn't make any sense if you're gonna it's it's like this is the thing that always seems to happen to ridley scott like he'll have Mm. movies that win best picture but they never think he's the reason right right you know um this was a split year ang lee uh life of pie and the movie was argo um we just named a whole bunch of movies I want to talk about, by the way. Let's start. Zero Dark Thirty yeah. is amazing. It's ah, a, I love it. Yes. Love Zero Dark Thirty. And uh, we, we of course, unfortunately did not do Catherine Bigelow's last movie, Hurt <laughs> But this movie is fantastic. And this sort of uh, brought Jessica Chastain to the fold. This is where I officially fell in love with her. Um, and I, Jason Clark too. Yeah, and Jason Clark is great, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but this has a huge cast. And... and, and 
I wanted to talk about this right after Argo because Kyle Chandler yeah, is in, both, is in oh, both yeah. of these movies. So many, you know, these big casts sort of overlap and everything. But Zero Dark Thirty is another super tense movie. Oh, yeah. And, and I, man, just the way I love detective stories. This is a detective story. Yep. yep. Um, her trying to figure out, like, there's a guy with a name that almost 50 people have. Yeah. And she cannot tell anybody, her superiors, that this is the guy you need to go after mm-hmm. because it's like, it could be anybody. And you, and you sympathize with those people who are like, I, what are we gonna we're gonna get our resources and take them after this guy who may not even exist yeah you know and you're sitting there going i know she's right but at the same time if you're in their shoes that shows you how difficult this situation was yeah. and uh but man ah, oh, everything about this is great oh the last 30 minutes that basically the heist assault on that compound mm-hmm. with basically no music god it's one of the tense it's maybe tenser than anything in argo yeah um because, well, very similarly, you know, on some level, this shit really happened. Mm-hmm. Like, they probably didn't go, Osama, yeah. try to get him to come out from the top. <laughs> right. And there are some, you know, maybe some embellished elements of the, the actual takedown. But you know it really happened. You know these people really snuck through this country into this property, crashed their fucking helicopter on the way in, yeah. and still succeeded mm-hmm. in the mission. And it's just... Oh, it's thrilling. That's one of those scenes where you don't even realize until afterwards how clenched your fists are yeah. and like how sweaty your palms are. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah, you know the outcome. Yeah. This is what happened. But oh, it's it's genius the way that it's shot, the way that it's just dark enough to be tenser, but just light enough to where you can see everything that's going on. It's a really great directorial feat, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's, I just love all those different things. Chastain who's basically playing an amalgam of a bunch of characters, apparently. Um, there's that scene where she, there's, she keeps going to the window and writing yeah. a new amount of days that yeah. they haven't gone after this guy. Because at any moment, they could just move. Yeah. And and she's sitting there going, we have them right here. And you guys are just sitting on, you know, just sitting on it and just not doing, you know. And you see her frustration and everything, and especially, and it comes out by the end. The end of it is a uh, a great scene where she just breaks down. Yeah. Just yeah. like, uh, can you imagine like all the stuff that she just went through? What an amazing movie. This is I. This is my favorite performance from her. Mm-hmm. I mean, and she's got a lot of great performances, but she's amazing in mm-hmm. this. Yeah. We also mentioned Life of Pi, which, um, what do we think of that movie? This is not one of Ang Lee's best. It. It got so many accolades. Yeah, it did. And it's one of those movies that I'm just like, I had a couple moments with that movie. Like when the the shipwreck happens and he's underwater looking at the whale, Mm -hmm. screaming, Mama! Uh, That got me. The whale underwater looked fucking amazing. Yeah. Uh, But there were a lot of moments that the CG did not look amazing to me. When the tiger finally gets off and walks away from him and basically ignores him, that, that tiger doesn't look real. Mm. Uh, and I think so maybe it gets a lot of praise because of how much of it is on water and with a child human actor and how difficult that is. Uh, but there are elements where the CG is fantastic and elements where it's fakey and the life issues this movie wants to raise just didn't resonate with me. And aside from the fakeness of the tiger, though, I do like that scene because. Oh, I love the scene. Because they they are, you know, it's it would be a normal movies thing to be like. Oh, the tiger realized 
yeah what a friend he had made on the water and they hug each other or something yeah. <laughs> you know it's like that youtube video where the two guys show, <laughs> show up with the lion and the lion like hugs them like i'm sitting there going i sit there and watch that that video this is a total aside i watch that video sometimes i'm like how do you know that he's gonna hug you <laughs> i guess it already happened once and that's how you were able to shoot i don't know um yeah i don't know life of pie is not a movie that really resonated with me either i think the book might have done more resonation with me than the movie mm-hmm. but uh i haven't read it so <laughs> yeah all right well silver linings playbook mm-hmm. yeah. got jennifer lawrence uh an oscar yeah and um and uh, I love this. This is uh, this is the best of the comeback of David O. Russell. I think. I think I yeah. agree. Like uh, the fighter was good, and the American Hustle had its moments. Mm. And I haven't seen Joy, but Joy's not any good. Uh, but uh, but in this one, this is a this is a cast working on a a new a good level here. Bradley Bradley Cooper is really good in this. De Niro. De Niro. Gets nominated again. It looks yeah. like just when you didn't think there was any chance of that ever happening. Yeah, he pulls this out of nowhere. This this movie gets a lot of accolades for correctly uh, portraying bipolar disorder, mm-hmm. and rightfully so. There's some things that are a little bit off, but um, like them being kind of a ticking time bomb. But yeah. I think overall they nail it. Yeah, and uh, and a great scene, too, with uh, – Almost ten cuppian in the dance competition. Um, as far as and uh, their their excitement at the at the judgment that they get is one of the best things. Yeah, it is ever. Um, love that. Uh, love that movie. Um, should I start going? Just kind of going down well, the line. Before you do that, can we talk about how much we hate Prometheus? Oh, sure. Well, yeah, we can. Prometheus. It, the reason I hate Prometheus is that it does so much right. Yeah. Yeah, that Especially it makes at the me beginning. angrier about the stuff it does wrong. Yep, um, it is still one of the most gorgeous-looking movies I have ever seen in mm-hmm. my life. Yeah, and that alien abortion machine scene is up there with the stuff he was doing in Alien in terms of it freaky. It's you know, it's terrorizing almost. Yeah. Um, that was like a horror movie right there. Yep. But almost the rest of the movie, I could take or leave. Uh, some of it really makes me angry. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, it's like so ridiculous. The, this movie is the one that has the guy that's just like, "Oh, what's that? I'm gonna touch it." Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What is it about scientists? I guess it's because it's in a movie that the scientists become suddenly so unprofessional. Yeah. Like Fantastic Four, that last one that came out. Yeah. Where they're like, <laughs> Same thing. They're they're just like. Uh, we're men of science, but let's uh, go explore this uh, unexplored world with its green goo and uh, touch it. And, uh, you know, because that's what we would all that's what we'd all do. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can almost understand it with uh, the David character, the cyborg. Michael oh, Fassbender. he's so good. He is great. But what is so disappointing about this? I mean, he's great pretty much all the way through, but they set him up so perfectly at the beginning. Mm-hmm. and it doesn't pay off like he's got this obsession with like, is it peter o'toole from yeah. lawrence of arabia yeah. and he's dying his hair and he's got all these human characteristics mm-hmm. and then it just kind of fizzles out and goes nowhere like he's an antagonist to nubia rapaz and that's i about do it. love that surprise shock head rip that the prometheus yeah. alien does of him because like <laughs> the old guy is like so fucking ignorant like he thinks that these god aliens that made us are gonna want to see him again yep. it's like we're back <laughs> it just crushes yeah. him and rips off david's head <laughs> oh my god it's so funny yeah, yeah. um lame as rob got anne hathaway an oscar very mm. uh, very 
I mean, I didn't like this movie. Mm, mm-mm. Mm-mm. And a lot of it, I mean, Russell Crowe. I mean, I like <laughs> Russell Crowe, man. But if you, you got to get somebody who can either sing yep. or you're going to have to dub over when it's when it's like that. And, and the thing is, is they were like, oh, well, we're doing it live. So that's why it's so unique and and, and I did I did find that unique because there are there is an authenticity in imperfect performances like sure. this, right? If you're doing it live and instead of in a studio with thousands of takes. Anne Hathaway's song benefits from that a ton. Hugh Jackman's opening number is amazing. Uh, but almost no one well, actually Eddie Redmayne's is pretty awesome too. Mm-hmm. Uh but the movie is a slog to get through for me. Um and I don't know why. I liked the stage play when I saw it. Uh I like the music from this mm-hmm. play slash film. Uh but and and this is famously one of the ones I watched the most times when we were writing sins because so much of this movie's in song. Yeah. Um I think I watched it five or six times, and by that point, I will. I, there's nothing that will ever make me like this movie. I'm just sick to death of it. You were singing the songs of angry men. Yes, yes. Uh, it's like almost four hours long. Oh my God. Uh, somewhat mentioned flight. I know that uh, you don't like this, right? Not a big fan. This is Zemeckis uh, with Denzel Washington as the uh, alcoholic pilot. He's I love alcoholic Denzel. Alcoholic Denzel, man. Um. I, I did like this movie quite a bit, mainly because of the performances and everything that are, that, that are in it. Um, but um, it's not great. By any I way. think it was that plane maneuver that they that they do, which mm-hmm. just doesn't seem possible by laws of physics. Mm. Like, it feels like they went Avengers with that plane maneuver, but the rest of the movie is grounded in human reality. Mm. Maybe that's and maybe I've just seen Drunk Denzel too many times. I did like the the twist at the end where they were like. Well, he can't testify because he's going through withdrawals. So let's give him a bunch of coke and booze, and that'll <laughs> level him out to where he can go testify. But I do, I do like how the um, how they investigate at the end, and they sort of find all these details, you know, that it's sort of put into question as to whether. I mean, is he a, is he is he did he do the right thing or the wrong thing? Or mm-hmm. um, I, I do like all that trial stuff at the end because they find a lot of details you forget about. Mm. like him throwing the alcohol the bottles into the trash and all mm. that and those little i guess those little mini booze mini yeah mini yeah. bottles of booze or whatever because you forget about that at first mm. you know you're like oh there's no way they'll know that he was actually drunk oh yeah it was a couple of mini bottles <laughs> um jack reacher that was uh yeah. christopher mcquarrie uh he started a good working relationship with tom cruise uh before had written the script for valkyrie and then and then now is a director on this movie jack reacher i didn't like this movie the first time i watched it but the second time i kind of liked it i kind of liked it i I think i only saw it the one time and then when we send it um and it just had such a shrug of a response from the movie going public when it came out i didn't maybe i had low expectations i enjoyed Mm -hmm. it yeah i I, I like me some tom cruise yeah yeah i mean he's so different from that book character mm-hmm. that I, I i don't know i've only read a couple of those lee child jack reacher novels there's nothing more stark about him not being the same guy than in the scene with uh Oyewolo, who's uh the main investigator mm. uh who's at the hotel that he's staying at and the and he's like who could uh dump who could do that to a body and dump it out into the dumpster and the 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 um the like receptionist is like, oh yeah, it's a guy that lives at this this room number right here. 
And he's like, what, really? Oh, yeah, you'll see him. You'll know when you see him. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's Tom Cruise. It's a miniature version of yeah. a guy that could do that. It's, yeah, exactly. And I feel like that's something that's like completely ripped off of the page uh-huh. that they forgot about when they realized, when they when they cast Tom Cruise. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, he is good in it, but I, just for that character, you could have found somebody like a Russell Crowe in shape, or like mm-hmm. you could find somebody that's big and burly. The Rock. Yeah. You know, get yeah. The Rock in there. Yeah. Well, the Rock already has 1,300 projects in development. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Like, how does he do them all? Rock Reacher. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dark Shadows, Tim Burton, horrible. Uh, Jesus. Um, continues to do those, like, weird remake or reimaginings. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> man, that guy. <laughs> John Carter, which was Andrew Stanton, was had the same. I had does had a little bit of excitement about this because of Stanton being on this movie. Yeah. Uh, after right after Brad Bird did Mission Impossible and everything, I was like, okay, maybe he can do it too. And this is the problem with John Carter is that it, even though a lot of the movies that we see, like Star Wars and Indiana Jones and all that, take from the original John Carter. By the time John Carter comes out, it looks like the the ripoff. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. we've seen all this before, and it doesn't have the same kind of story that we want to see anymore. Also, who are the ad wizards that thought John Carter would play better than John Carter of Mars? Yeah, yeah. right. Because it's not like you can show me much footage that isn't Mars based in your trailer. Yeah. So I I should know what I'm getting into with the sci-fi aspect, but some some genius at Disney said, "No, if we just make it a random guy's name, they'll they'll be even more drawn to it." <laughs> yeah. That person should have been fired. Yeah. Right. Uh this is 40 and Apatow really has started to go downhill mm. at this point. And and you know, he had done funny people which wasn't very good. This is 40 is sort of a um a spinoff of knocked up because mm-hmm. it's leslie mann and paul rudd playing the same characters and everything but um yeah it's not nearly i mean it's long too mm-hmm. i mean apatow's that's the biggest his biggest problem i always has been being able, unable to cut his movies down uh and he's got these epic comedies yeah um pitch perfect came out i like that little movie yeah i, do too. I love pitch perfect yeah overstate its welcome with the sequel but the first one's yep. pretty charming no yeah. i mean anna kendrick very winning if if you were right Apparently we said that too much last time <laughs> yeah no she's great man and th- that whole thing where you knew that this was going to be not your standard thing is when she comes out and does that cups thing mm-hmm. in her audition yeah and does it like nails it yeah. like live i mean not live but like in one take however long it took her to do it and it was really really great she's a, she's got a good voice everybody else in the acapella group has is a great voice and it all goes together really well and you have the continuation of great comedic announcers with Elizabeth yeah. Banks and uh, John Michael John Michael Higgins. Higgins. Yeah, and uh, it's it's just really really funny all the way through. Yeah, it's a it, more enjoyable than it ever I ever thought it yeah. was going to be. Uh, we had two Snow White movies: Snow White and the Huntsman and Mirror Mirror. Both came out. I didn't see Mirror Mirror. I heard that was awful. Snow White and the Huntsman ain't much better. Yeah, Snow White and the Huntsman's pretty bad. Didn't see the other one. But how in the world did we get two of those fucking movies? Uh, <laughs> oh. Chronicle came out. We like Chronicle. Yeah. Yes. I actually was going to say two really good found footage movies this year. Chronicle and End of Watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they both play with found footage in new ways. Chronicle, we get some film by hand. We get some like street security camera. We get some news chopper footage. Yeah. And it's kind of stitching together multiple sources. And... End of Watch does the same kind of thing. We'll get a body cam footage in one place, but 
they've also written Jake Gyllenhaal's character to be, you know, a film buff who's filming everything for this documentary or whatever. Um, two completely different movies. We can talk about Chronicle first. Uh, I really liked it a lot. Yeah, I did too. Um, this is um, what is his name? Steve Strack. Josh Trank. Josh Trank. I was like something Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it's a it's a unique way of of doing a, a comic book hero type movie uh where you know they get their powers they but they don't know how to use them right away right. and i like how they sort of like you know through through using it enough that they finally learn how to become they uh they get more powerful as it goes they're not instantly like powerful or anything right. they just just kind of have to practice it yep. a bit and uh and yeah and and just you know the found footage way of doing this makes the, all the stuff that they're doing feel way cooler than it would be if it was like a regular superhero movie yeah 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 because we're not seeing a glossy frame cinematography shot we're seeing you know off-color vhs camera footage of it when it looks realer that way for yeah some and the effects are really good just on their own but i'm sure that helps to yeah. have you know that sort of grainyish footage uh, I think it's a real clever way. I I like found footage movies in general probably more than you guys do. This is a great use of it, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the same goes for End of Watch. Mm -hmm. um, really solid. I think David Ayer is involved in this. Yeah, he is. Mm -hmm. He directed it. Um, and Anna Kendrick again. Yep. Yeah. Um, and uh, Michael Pena and Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, just a lot of copy stuff. And it's it's spread out over a period of time because like he'll it shows you his first date with anna kendrick and then like the next time you see them they've been dating for weeks or months mm. and uh so really seeing little pop-in snippets of these two cops in their life on the beat in la uh i thought it was fantastic i really really liked it definitely there's another one that came out as well called project x which oh, is yeah. which was weirdly i don't know why they named it this it's not a remake of the project x from the 80s yeah this is a party it's a party movie, movie. Right? yeah, yeah. And it's not very good. Yeah. Uh, it's it's more you know it's trying to be like uh, I guess a modern day type of Animal House type of movie. Can't or, hardly wait type of thing. Yeah, yeah, can't hardly wait or whatever. Um, but yeah, that one wasn't very good. Uh, and I keep going. I keep running into movies that I don't know if I even want to mention. How about Perks of Being a Wallflower? I never saw we, it. And 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 we did talk about that when Jonathan was yeah, here. Yeah. I love Perks of Being it's a Wallflower. It's so great. Great movie. This is. Uh, emma watson's mm -hmm. real breakout at yeah. post harry potter and she nails it i mean the mm -hmm. american accent uh, every yeah. once in a while but like <laughs> <laughs> but you know in general it's really really good ezra miller logan lerman like i yeah. think are really well, all I'm, those three work really well together all of my experience with logan lerman to this point had been percy jackson mm -hmm. oh yeah and and so and, and same i guess kind of the same way with emmy emma watson i really only knew her from harry potter and everything so it was really fun to see these guys yeah. actually doing you know acting uh that's not a you know character they played like over and over but and then yeah, Ezra Miller, man, that guy is is amazing. Is just it's so he's hilarious. Yeah, he is. Is that the guy that's playing the Flash? Uh huh. Yeah. All right. And uh, yeah, it's just a really good movie. A uh, good coming of age movie. One that we could probably have talked about. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's a great teen comedy, but really grounded in reality. And I think actually Lorange, when he was on, was saying that uh, it's got one of the best representations of an anxiety attack, hmm. uh, which it definitely does. Mm -hmm. I mean the 
the way that they shoot it, the way that uh, he he plays it and everything, and the aftermath is very much on the nose. Hmm. Um, uh, Sinister came out. I really love yeah, Sinister. This now, one you've seen. Yeah, you didn't <laughs> like this one. Um, I love Sinister mainly because of how freaky those 16 millimeter films yeah they are freaky. um there's something about that that's all that's the reason why i feel like horror movies should be less slick in general uh because when there's something about that grainy footage and i can't put my finger on it that really gives me that sense of dread mm-hmm. and 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 especially when you're seeing you know families getting killed on like their you know their snuff films now hate the ending to this movie yep hate the ending. yeah but uh i think this is a good horror movie good solid horror movie even with trevor yeah with trevor and everything <laughs> trevor's a he's such a rascal, rascal. bastard he's such a rascal how about cabin in the woods yeah oh my god i love this i movie. just got to that when cabin i watched this I literally thought it was my favorite movie of 2012. I don't think I would have a problem with if you put that one forth. <laughs> um, and it's it's a breath of fresh air because it it's subverting everything about horror movies. Yeah. Um, it's also you know from the house of Whedon in the sense that you know, the guy directing this is Drew Goddard, who was on Angel and Buffy a whole bunch with Joss Whedon. Uh, but the Whedon humor is all over this yes. thing. And one of the biggest laugh out loud moments I have ever had in any movie history is when those elevators open up yep. and all those monsters Same come here. out at once. Because it is the perfect payoff for everything we've seen up until that That's point. That's the scene of this year, maybe of this decade. Yeah. yeah. It's how good it that is. good. Yeah. But what sells it is that little yeah 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 but then they're just instantly in the frame it's all those monsters um what but who really just makes this movie enjoyable is richard jenkins and bradley whitford those guys uh are so funny playing off of each other and the casual ways they talk about all the different things that they're gonna unleash and everything like they have the bed about the yeah. you know like what what's what are they going to unearth in this scenario or whatever and like there's a difference between what is it the zombies and the redneck zombies <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> somebody puts a bed yeah, on the wrong yeah. one yeah they're like why is that different it's like redneck zombies <laughs> yeah well and bradley whitford's pulling for merman the whole time <laughs> yeah. he ends up getting killed by yeah, a merman yeah. yeah oh yeah this behind the scenes every every horror movie and it where kids are in a cabin in the woods dying is all a setup to basically serve these lower earth gods or what have you that's sort of the concern seat mm-hmm. um i love all the shots to like <laughs> japan yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There's, there's, there's these places all over the world they're like oh, japan's not gonna help us this year yeah, so it's yeah. like all the kids running around yeah. screaming yeah it's such a it's such a great movie the the the, the thing about it's kind of what this is the kind of country we live in i know a lot of people who were expecting a a regular ass cabin in the woods movie they wanted a horror movie and they were disappointed and they were disappointed and and didn't get the humor at all interesting and and there were some people who didn't even know it was a comedy they just thought it was just a bad horror movie mm. wow and it just goes to show what kind of a fucking country we that's live insane in. like I, talking to people like cabin in the woods is awesome right and they're like oh man i can't went in there i wanted to see this and that man it was that was a bunch of bullshit and i was like 
Yeah, I'm just going to stop talking to you. <laughs> this is also the same world, though, where, like, we'll probably get asked to sin Rogue One sometime tomorrow on Twitter. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I mean... <laughs> hey, how about a small indie comedy called Safety Not Guaranteed? Yeah, love that movie. Did you guys see this? I really like that. Uh, this is... Mark Duplass didn't direct no, this No, he's one. in it. And uh, Colin and, Trevorrow did it. Yeah, Col- yeah or Trevorrow, however. Trevorrow, one yeah. of those is right. Yeah, this is a really, really interesting character-driven comedy. Yeah. Um, with Mark Aubrey Plaza and Aubrey Plaza and has a really, really fun payoff yeah. at the end too. Yeah. It's about uh, a guy that he puts an ad in the paper uh, saying, you know, if you want to time travel or something like that, you know, contact me. Safety is not guaranteed. And Aubrey Plaza's character is just a, intrigued enough to uh, to contact him. Mm-hmm. And they form this unlikely friendship. It's it's really, really entertaining. Um, And I'm going through here. The five-year engagement was terrible. That was that Jason Siegel, Emily Blunt movie that was supposed to be. Um, Men in Black 3 came out. Do you guys like this? That, that got better reviews than its predecessor, right? Better than two, but yeah, it's not a good movie. Mm. I mean, Josh Brolin's impression of k is pretty good yeah yeah yes yes he's extremely good at <laughs> other it. than that i didn't really enjoy it um cloud atlas came out yeah uh-huh. what do we think about that i told you before i've watched it four or five times each time hoping i'm gonna love it uh and i always come out mixed there are things about it i love and there are things about it that drive me crazy i know at least one person in my life who thinks this is going to be considered like blade runner is Oh, really? Like 20 years from now, people are going to be... I don't think so. I really don't. I don't think it'll get that big. Um, it's too muddled. It's too muddled of a movie. There's too many things going on in this thing, and and there's not enough like greatness there for me to really say that it's going to be that type of a movie. Mm. I've seen it twice, and I still don't understand everything. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. Yeah. Um, I want to like it. Uh, Premium Rush, which was a decent B-movie. Uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt mm-hmm. um, on bikes, on bikes, and flash mobs. Yeah, and flash famous, man. Uh, famously uses a flash right. mob. Yeah, to, to uh, save the day. The Haywire, that Gina Carano movie with yeah, uh, yeah. Another found footage movie, Chernobyl Diaries. That was not good at all. <laughs> it was a horror movie where the people decide we're going to visit Chernobyl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you guys like the Born Legacy, right? I like it more than most. It got cream yeah, when it came I, out. Yeah, I, I, I mm. like this more than most people do, but but yeah, it's just not, it's not like any of the other Borns, you know, that's the problem. You have to compare it to all those mm-hmm. uh, much superior movies yeah. and everything, and, and Jeremy Renner is, is great in mm-hmm. it. He's fine. Um, and Rachel Weiss. Love Rachel Weiss, mm-hmm. but- Rachel yeah. Weiss. Rachel <laughs> yes. Weiss. There's one more. The there was a documentary called The Queen of Versailles that came. I out. was going to bring this up, but I didn't think you guys had seen it. Yeah, it's great. I haven't. Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, deluded rich people spending money <laughs> stupidly right before they lose it all. <laughs> basically, this woman who's building this mic, like giant mansion. It's Xanadu, basically. It's basically Xanadu. <laughs> and before they get it completed, they they run out of money. I forget exactly where her husband's money was. I think it was it part was of the Bernie the- Madoff. Well, it was either that or I think it contributed with the uh, the stock market crash. And yeah, all that somewhere stuff too. along in there. But you've never seen more of a narrative twist in characters uh, <laughs> than this movie because it starts off this woman being just a complete cartoon. Yeah. And, you know, the, the husband being the exasperated, you know, rock and that kind of thing. 
And by the end, it completely switches those characters to where we are so sympathizing to this woman. Yeah. And he turns into kind of a, a dickhead. <laughs> uh, it's a really, really good documentary. It's usually, I think it's on Netflix, still. You should check it out. Um, Killing Them Softly, uh, yeah, yeah. Brad Pitt. Uh, this is a really dark, but it's it's got, it's it's very Pulp fictiony, I guess, in a way, or whatever. It made no money. Hardly anybody saw this or whatever. But I want to mention it because I kind of liked Killing Them Softly, even though it doesn't have I great... like Killing Them Loudly. <laughs> it's just my personal preference. Well, he's got a big shotgun on uh, the poster. <laughs> um, but, uh, but like, it's got, like, a 6.2 on the IMDb, which, you know, mm. basically says people generally hate it. But I think it's, I mean, it's good, especially James Gandolfini in the movie is really good. And Richard Jenkins is in this, too. Is that his last role? Uh, or no, he was in something it with Julius and Louis Dreyfus. There, there, like a lot of these movies could really could be considered his last one. Yeah. Like there's a lot, a lot of the the last one that I remember is the one with Tom Hardy, the uh, the drop. Oh, might have been his last one, but um, also Seven Psychopaths. Yeah, that's a funny movie. I like that movie. I really like Seven yeah. Psychopaths. Um, and, I watch anything that Tom Waits is in. Yeah. Um, and then Dread came out and made no money at all, but it's good. It's really good. <laughs> And uh, Beast of Southern Wild, which uh, I wasn't as high on as a lot of people, but it was good. Spring Breakers. Oh, yeah. Spring oh. Breakers. Look at all my shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's my shit right here. From uh, from uh, local director Harmony Kareem, mm-hmm. uh, who did who wrote the screenplay for kids, and he's done a lot of weird movies. This so, is a bonkers movie. Yes, it is. Yeah. That's really all you have to say yeah. right there. <laughs> um i i briefly mentioned a more when we talked about when we talked about the director best director race uh michael haneke made a movie about um husband and wife who have been who've been you know they're like 80s or whatever at this point and she suffers from some sort of dementia now it's not like the notebook or anything mm-hmm. like that it has a gut punch because it's michael haneke and he mm-hmm. did funny games and all mm-hmm. that oh, yeah yours course it's got a gut punch to it but it's got a huge gut punch in it and it's a it's kind of a still of a kind of a different movie for him even though you know if you're used to stuff like funny games and um and uh cache which is the other movie that uh you're this is not quite i mean this is more of a romantic movie but it's michael haneke so he's gonna mm. you know he's gotta give you that quick <laughs> that quick right um and uh we mentioned uh seeking a friend for the end of the world in a previous podcast made no money but it uh i, I really enjoyed that yeah i think we're ready to vote though let's do it all right today's order is jeremy chris and barrett jeremy goes first yep wreck it ralph oh well, well. i'm gonna wreck it nice. i'm gonna wreck it i love my mama <laughs> um i realized that my connection to this movie is special but i do still think it's truly one of the best animated movies of the last 10 years and uh maybe i'm a homer pick here but i'm got i gotta go with john c Riley and my wreck it ralph gang and uh hero's duty it's not, <laughs> not that kind of duty uh i love it with all my heart soul and penis <laughs> <laughs> why did the hero flush the toilet because it was his duty <laughs> Uh, for me, it's zero dark thirty, baby. Oh yeah, um, this movie's so good, uh, and um, with you know as many performances that score in this, but especially Jessica Chastain, and especially that thirty minutes of just tense uh, Osama bin Laden searching and everything. 
Uh, we had another little early roll from Chris Pratt in here, and Joel Edgerton's in this yep. too. And uh, so, yeah, that's my vote. Zero's Art Thirty. Yeah, awesome movie. This is a really good year. Mm-hmm. I mean, after the w- kind of relative wasteland of 2011, mm-hmm. this is because we're going to have all three different picks in the first round. Because I'm going with the master, obviously. Okay. Um, I think it's it's as close to a perfect Paul Thomas Anderson movie as you can get. Um, it is dense. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to unpack there, but for whatever reason, I am completely drawn to it. Like mm-hmm. it's L. Ron Hubbard trying to recruit me, and you know, yeah. Dianetics me. Anyway, so that's my pick. So, Jeremy, it goes back to you. My second pick is Moonrise Kingdom. Ooh. Um, because it's just charming as fuck. Yep. And uh, I love it. And I want to watch it after <laughs> having talked about it. Yeah. Um, and I love it. I got nothing. <laughs> Chris? I'm also going to go Moonrise Kingdom. Ah, nice. Which means I think if you say Zero Dark Thirty, I can still win this, but. <laughs> You know what? I'm going to say Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, I, I love Moonrise Kingdom yeah. a lot. I love Wreck-It Ralph, but Zero Dark Thirty, for, if you go back to cultural relevance, yeah. like we did a long time ago, I mean, this had everybody talking. It. I don't care if it took a little bit of liberties with whatever. Um, it's, it's so beautiful, and it's so tense, and it's so excellent. So that's got to be my pick. Yeah, and I I feel like Zero Dark Thirty probably got um, a little bit of a some snub action going on during the Best Picture and Director uh, nominations because there was a lot of talk about that movie saying that torture works, mm. and and of course, yeah, the very first person that they show in this movie, Jason Clark, is torturing him, and he's the guy who eventually tells them mm-hmm. the stuff that they need to. Yep, do. and so. They, they it was perceived i don't i don't necessarily feel this way about this movie i think it's just in this one case it's something that worked or i don't know how the real story well i mean the the real hero of this is the investigational work yeah and, and the, if you watch this movie and you come away thinking that they want you to think torture is good you did not pay attention yeah that's why I, that's the way i feel about it it really it, fucks with her it and and i feel like also it they he only starts talking once they start being nice to him right once they start giving him sandwiches and all this other type of stuff uh so th- there were a lot of people i think who sort of made a a leap that because he was tortured and then because they were showing uh them being good to him afterwards that therefore the torture worked and and yeah i don't think you can come out of the movie going that was pro torture no i think the movie goes out of its way to make you uncomfortable with that shit but it it did get that kind of thing at the end i thought this was a slam dunk best picture Mm -hmm. nominee Mm -hmm. and catherine bigelow again Mm -hmm. getting nominated uh, but the, all that backlash really hurt it uh, as far as uh, the uh, Oscars were concerned. Well, I think she can take solace in the fact that she won the Sincast Best of yes, 2012. absolutely. I mean, she probably would take that over an Oscar. And if she ever wants to come on the show as bring well. It, bring it, Catherine. If there's any chance at all mm-hmm. that she's listening <laughs> or one of her friends like James Cameron's listening... <laughs> We can get her on the show and talk about this. She's not listening, but James Cameron is definitely James Cameron listening. is listening. That's uh, why it's taking so long for Avatar 2 to come. That's right. <laughs> he's catching he's, up he's, on the scene. He's like, what are he's they going to say? He's at the bottom say? of the sea. God help me. God help them if they hate Avatar. 
this episode of the Zencast is brought to you by NatureBox. Yay! Yay! I'm glad it's somebody we like. Yeah, yes. absolutely. We've used NatureBox uh, before on our videos, and we got a little sampling of uh, their stuff, and man, is it good. I kn- and Jeremy was always the lucky bastard who got it, because he would always do <laughs> he would always do the, the ads and everything, so they would go- deliver a box to his door, yes. and he lives way far away, so <laughs> I wasn't about to go and just, just to drop in just to have some snacks, but these snacks are maybe possibly worth driving to, to out of your way for. Um, what is it out of this, out of this group that I, I like these chocolate almonds? Yeah. The dark chocolate covered almonds are great. The hickory smoked turkey jerky is great. I'm still cleaning that out of my teeth right now. Yeah. It it's really surprising. good. I don't even and, really usually like turkey jerky. And I'm, I'm a big candy person. I shouldn't be a big candy person, <laughs> but I am. And there's these little watermelon mini stars that mm-hmm. are in this group. And those things are fantastic. Yep. Um, so yeah, I love all of those, those things that they've sent so far um uh couldn't be happier with the product yeah. the beautiful thing about nature box sorry to cut you off there is that if you don't like something you can make sure you never get it again mm-hmm. and they are even now i think promising to replace that snack for free yep. if you don't like anything um which really reduces the risk right because yeah. what we're really doing is saying hey these snacks are good and then you're having to trust us that they're good well now what if i don't like the watermelon mini stars well there's like hundreds and hundreds of snacks and you just don't ever have to get them again and they'll replace them for free yeah you can go to naturebox.com there's like a hundred snacks there yeah yeah i mean there is a thing for sincast isn't there there's exactly a- if you uh right now uh you can save even more naturebox is offering sincast fans 50 percent off that's 50 that is 50 percent off mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you turned into preacher mode that's right 50 percent off your first order when you go to naturebox.com slash sincast so go there sign up it's a beautiful, beautiful place. I also liked the French toast granola. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's only one of these we haven't even broken open yet, and we'll probably like it, one of us. But yeah. we liked everything they sent us this time. Definitely. Um, and that has been my experience very often. Like, you get a box with, what, is it five snacks in it? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there maybe be one I didn't like as much as the others, but my wife and I always enjoyed not sharing them with you. That's sort of <laughs> the, the healthy alternative to going to the gas station and yeah. Yeah, sometimes, yep. uh, you know, they, and, and this comes right to your door. You yep. know, I'm not well, like, and these are snacks that are preservative free, right? There's no there's no artificial colors, flavors or sweeteners. There you go. Yeah. See, so these are these are better for you and they also taste good. So yeah. And they're going to, you know, sponsor the podcast. So show them a little love. Yeah. Just go to naturebox.com slash sincast and you get a 50% offer off of your uh, first order. And thank you to Naturebox for being our first sponsor. We appreciate it. Today, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, movies that made us feel like kids again when we watch them. My God, this reminds me. so much younger yesterday that's as simple as it gets right? yeah uh jeremy you want to start us off sure um you know and I, I think there were a couple different ways we thought about approaching this like movies that uh, make us want to be a kid again or remind us of childhood and then there's some that just like take you back like the way anton ego gets taken back mm-hmm. when he eats the ratatouille uh and for me uh i wrote down iron giant is one of those absolutely um now, part of this is I'm just on the fringe of the generations to have grown up during enough Cold War time 
that the whole duck and cover side joke stuff in Iron Iron Giant yeah. <laughs> uh, hits home for me. We used to do drills not dissimilar from that. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't grow up in the 50s or whatever this era's visual is sort of aping. Uh, but just everything about this made me feel like a kid. Uh, I wanted my toys to come to life and be my friend. I love the Iron Giant. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's sort of the, one of those things like, yeah, what if you are one of these kids who just didn't have any friends or anything like that? And you stumble on the bestest robot ever. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and he becomes your friend yeah and and like you know it's it's sort of a i don't know it's a kid fantasy right to have that kind of a to to have that kind of machinery at your fingertips he doesn't know how dangerous he is right until much later but uh but like uh man that's just uh that's one of those things i love i love the friendship that that develops between them yeah especially since language is such a barrier for the most part he only eventually learns a few words um and harry connick jr almost steals this movie. (laughs) yeah anyway uh i wrote down that one i wrote down toy story which is a total obvious answer but i mean anybody that grew up playing with their toys Mm -hmm. and imagining scenarios and adventures for them well you can't watch any of these toy story movies without it opening with one such fantasy adventure um, and I used to play in the tub before we had a shower. That's how old I am. Uh, with my Star Wars figures and my mask figures. Do you remember mask? Oh, yeah. And my yeah. Transformers. And I would make up in my GoBots. Uh, and I would make up all these adventures and stories for them, just the way Andy does in Toy Story. Hang on. You mix Transformers and GoBots? Well, my aunt mixed Transformers oh, and GoBots because she God. thought they were the same, but I'm not going to throw away a toy. Oh, man. That's like mixing Lego and Duplo. The GoBots had one. That turned into a nuclear submarine. Oh, yeah. It was actually pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, there was never any nuclear submarine transformers that I was aware of. <clears throat> Talk about duck and cover. Yeah. <laughs> wow. No, yeah. That's why those movies succeed so much is that it's like plugging in directly to your your memory yeah. to, to stimulate that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's so much fun. And yeah, it transports you back. No matter what time point you watch them in, you can be an adult in their 30s or 40s and still take yourself back to this. Uh, or you could be a kid and watch it in that context, too, yeah. and really relate to it. Yeah, that's a great pick. Cool. Um, I don't want to make this an all about like you know cartoons and everything, but The Incredibles is one of those. Uh. Yeah. Especially, and we've talked about this scene a million times, just when he finds out he can run run on the water and everything then he has that giggle and everything that's what brings you back to being a kid Mm. is that type of stuff is is learning what you are capable of doing and then in this case this kid is a superhero yeah and uh and and stuff like that um it's just one of those movies that's i don't know it's just fun all the way throughout no it also taps into the fantasy of being a superhero and, and living in a normal society, yeah. you know, yeah. where it's like, uh, I've got these abilities, but I've got to hide them and all that stuff. My mm-hmm. mom and dad might be a superhero. <laughs> yeah, it's that yeah. Kind of vibe. yeah, exactly. So, no, I mean, when, when my kid watched that for the first time, you know, he re- immediately uh, related to Dash because mm-hmm. he was like, man, I've got to start working on my super speed, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and so I can do that stuff. Yeah. And it, it kind of puts it in such a realistic, for a cartoon context that it it makes that fantastical thing really stimulate for you oh i think a lot of it is the marriage that marriage 
is Mowage. written and performed so well, mm. so raw. Like in just a few short lines here and there, we get so many levels of subtext. Like when he comes home and he says, we're moving from the fourth grade to the fifth grade. It's not a graduation. And then she ends <laughs> that argument by saying, it is not about you. Yeah. And it just grounds everything in this real family feeling. Because other than the powers, they feel like a very real family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So it's just one, it's one of those things. I mean, superhero movies, it's hard to really like talk about. I mean, it's really just about being a superhero, being mm. a kid and being able to do that type of thing. Yeah. I still do wonder how uh, an elastic uh, superhero and a super strong superhero uh, make kids who are super fast and you know <laughs> and are invisible. Like I like you know like I do wonder how that superhero gene is traveling. You know, like well, let's make this person different and like this. You know, um, well, it must be it could be inherited from the generation previous. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe so. I don't know. I don't know. It's not anything that you need to think about, I guess, Chris. Yeah. Um, the cheating one is Stranger Things. Oh, oh nice. yeah. Mainly just because they got the 80s right yep. so well. Um, when Stranger Things first came on, it probably was on for the first three days or whatever when I finally ran across it on Netflix. And I was hooked immediately mainly just because of its title sequence. The music with all the synth mm-hmm. and just that yeah. grainy, like, you know, everything. It takes me back to when I was first really getting into movies. There's something about, I mean, I don't know if it was just the 80s or if it was if everybody who's a kid experiences movies like this. Like, uh, but I, there's something about that, you know, when the never ending story comes on. You know, that, yeah. I, you know, was, that came on the other day. I was sitting there watching it and I was like the music in that just like all right i am eight years old again <laughs> um and uh stranger things was the same way even though it wasn't you know it was more stephen king you know steven spielberg type of uh type of thing it, you know just those kids in there and everything that yeah, reminded having me it from their perspective that's where you really because we've all ridden our bikes over to a friend's house to play mm-hmm. a board game or a fantasy game or something like that and it's interesting for our generation and it may be for the the next generation too, but we had a lot more freedom Mm -hmm. to ride your bike down the street and that kind of thing late at night. Even of course that doesn't work out very well in stranger things, but like, um, you know, you had more kind of flexibility to go around your neighborhood and and that kind of thing and hang out at your, your, uh, friends' houses and telling it from that perspective. Um, in addition to the sheriff's perspective and Winona riders, but that's the most, engaging is the kids perspective yeah. where they they keep stumbling on this mystery and deeper and deeper it's really cool yeah i've got a couple others but i'll let you go on yeah okay so one of the reasons that i threw out this topic was i just rewatched moonrise kingdom again oh mm. yeah and that movie hits me on all the levels of that age so they're they're right at 12 and when I was 12, I did two things. I did scouting and I chased girls. Mm-hmm. And this kid does both in this, this you movie. you catch one? Uh, yeah, occasionally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not to the level that this kid does. Uh, but it's so cool because we, from that perspective, you really can tell that this kid thinks he can do anything. Um, and that he needs to go AWOL from this camp. And basically, he'll live his life however he wants to. You know, he's got a plan uh, for the future that involves going to meet this girl. He's all, you know, packed down and everything. They're going to find, they're going to go to this inlet and eventually find their way off of this island because he's had such a traumatic past. 
but I love seeing that. And normally I'm not like into those types of movies um, because I'm, I don't really like kids all that much. But like <laughs> when you get something that like almost transports you back to that era, uh, it's really, really cool. And, and that's such a unique way of telling that story. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, sort of, that's a good one. There's sort of a theme, uh, I think, going on with all these. They all have kids who are self-reliant. They may not be popular, but they they have their own like you know they have their own powers yeah. basically. Stranger Things, it's it's you know that it's them you know on this mystery and learning these things on their own. Uh, Iron Giant, it's a kid who's like you know he's he's always trying. He's telling his mom you know like why yeah. can't you just trust me once? Um, the Incredibles, you already have superpowers, and you know and here you have kids who are just self-reliant and, yeah and and just go about their own their own way yeah and everything they're they're almost mini adults yeah exactly mm-hmm. <laughs> well the, the other one that i was thinking about that really hits everything every part of this whole emotional thing was my girl oh yeah oh nice so in 1991 this is right off of his post home alone uh fame was macaulay culkin and anna chlumsky uh, i think it's Klumsky. is it Klumsky? mm-hmm Anna Klumsky. Klumsky or Klumsky? Klump. <laughs> it's Klumsky? It's Klumsky. Klumsky. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I just, oh. <laughs> honey, you want to do a Klumsky? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does sound like Kama Sutra, doesn't it? <laughs> anyway, Anna, Anna Klumsky. <laughs> They play, you know, uh, I think in the same era, like about 11-year-old uh, kids that, yeah, 11, 12-year-olds uh, that, you know, develop this kind of awkward friendship at the beginning and, you know, really is completely adorable all the way through. I mean, she is, she, I fell in love with her at this point. Yes. Um, Macaulay Culkin, who's allergic to everything, yeah. is, is hilarious in this. And it's got one Not of the- Not the bees! Yeah. <laughs> It's got one of the all-time gut punches, I think, yep. uh, in that I've ever experienced. And the way that she reacts to that, and I'm not going to spoil the movie, it's from 1991, he dies from a bee sting. And her reaction to that is so raw, even at this young age, mm-hmm. that it really just, oh man, I, I broke down and cried when that happened. Man. Yeah. I couldn't handle it. Uh, but everything leading up to it is great, man. I, it's it, it's it's a really really interesting movie, and it, it will definitely take you back to that era. And one of the nominees for most unnecessary sequeled movie ever. Yeah. No kidding, they made a second one. Yeah. Well, what's funny about that is that I was just reading about Anna Klumsky uh, and uh, Dan Aykroyd, who apparently does this a lot. He keeps circulating that uh, there's a there's a script out there for My Girl Three. And he's like, you know, we're, it's in development and everything. And she had to come out and say, like, no, no, there's not. But he did the same fucking thing for Star uh, for Ghostbusters three, didn't he? Yeah, but yeah. Eventually, it got made though, didn't it? Yeah, I guess although so. I think Ghostbusters three, he was tied to writing. That. Yeah, that's why he knew there was one. Yeah. I don't know about My Girl three. I mean, yeah. Where? Well, I guess it was in My Girl then. But that scene where she's like, "Don't come back in for an, for another five to seven days." Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the funniest lines ever. Uh, yeah, she's like, "I'm hemorrhaging" because she's like a hypochondriac yeah. in the movie and everything. He's like, "I'm hemorrhaging." But yeah, to to think, uh, you know, at the time Macaulay Culkin was uh, one of the biggest stars in the world, not just child star. Yeah. You know, and to, you know, just off him like that <laughs> in the movie 
you know, is ballsy. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a good one. And for a different reason, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, was like that for mm. me. There's no, it was mainly because I think I saw this with my niece and nephew. And just seeing how they reacted to this movie while I was watching it and everything. It's just like everything was just utter delight. Even stuff that I normally wouldn't laugh at or whatever. They were just loving it. They, you know? did, did they get that Jackson Pollock joke, though? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, although although my nephew did laugh, but I was like, there's no way you know. <laughs> oh, not. There's no way you fucking know. That's interesting that you said seeing the reaction because I, I mentioned to you guys the other day that I showed my, my son Back to the Future for the first time. Yeah. And he's eight years old. And, and seeing him react to that movie in real time the way that I did when I was his around his age, uh, yeah, probably right at his age, uh, was awesome. Mm-hmm. I bet. Because that movie really, besides the life preserver, really hasn't aged all that much. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because it's, it's out of time, basically. And the reason that it took me back, first of all, I haven't seen it. I, I watched it so many times when I was a kid, but I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, but Michael J. Fox, to me, when I was growing up, was the coolest guy, man. He played guitar. He slid across hoods. <laughs> like, he would punch people out and that kind of thing. And, like, getting back into that, like, I I just always loved watching the cool kids. I, I don't know how to explain it better than that. But, like, somebody that really was confident in themselves and capable and all that stuff was really cool. And seeing that from... My son's eyes was super fucking cool. So you're saying you wish that you could be like the cool kids? Yes. Like all the, the cool, cool kids. kids. Yeah. They seem to fit in. Yep. <laughs> I really I really uh, I really loved Michael J. Fox back then too, and, and I was a big family ties person. Uh-huh. I used to watch that all the time. And to see him in Back to the Future was was extraordinary for me yeah and then teen wolf even i was like man and i wasn't even thinking about it at the time i was just sitting there going how in the fuck did he have all the time to do that now and you look back you know like (laughs) family ties and there's i think there's uh, they've mapped it out they've told the story about how he did that because remember he wasn't even supposed to be in back to the future it's supposed to be eric oh yeah that's right and they got him like last minute on that well they'd uh, they'd already done shooting with eric stoltz you can go out find they did some shooting yeah they filmed scenes though yeah it wasn't like an entire movie no 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 but they got far enough in that there's footage out there right right some scenes he shot i think one of them is when he goes to the diner and Mm -hmm. asks for a pepsi free or whatever yeah yeah (laughs) you want a pepsi pal you're gonna pay for it that joke probably won't play so well to future generations no he won't because for a time there was a whole separate pepsi called pepsi free that was calorie free or whatever sugar free yep and then you get a tab i can't give you a tab if you don't buy anything was everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Those jokes are falling flat today. I yeah. tell you. All right, you want to do some questions? Okay. Let's do some questions. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. All right. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for this because anything accent related is my jam for whatever reason. So one of the questions from the Reddit thread is: since you mention accents every now and then, <laughs> yeah, right. What do you think are the best or most correctly done accents in movies? And his example is Gary Oldman's Russian accent in Air Force One. Mm-hmm. Now, I think Gary Oldman almost always nails his accents uh, anytime. In fact, I was reading about it, and he did such a good like American Jamaican accent, true romance and all that stuff. And he's done Jim Gordon. He's done all, all these other things. 
And apparently he did so many different accents that he had to go back and get a, a accent coach to reteach him how to have a British accent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Which is I didn't insane. even know this guy was British yeah. for the longest time. Like it took forever for me to find that out. Yeah. Cause he had done that. He'd, he'd been such a chameleon in every role. He's, he's amazing. Uh, the, you know, it's almost, it's weird because you don't ever hear British people saying like, oh, that American man nailed that British accent. Uh, it's very rare that I hear that. The only time that I have heard that is Renee Zellweger in Bridget Jones' Diary, mm-hmm. uh, which is weird because I didn't really think there was anything special about it, but apparently it's it's considered very good by British people. Hmm. But well, it seems like British people do American accents better than Americans can do British And uh, I believe Gwyneth Paltrow got some love for her Emma accent. Oh, really? Um, the Jane Austen Emma mm um but yeah usually usually uh americans go straight to like this you know what everybody <laughs> every american goes to well you know? yeah and and there's no better example of that than keanu reeves and dracula yeah yeah exactly <laughs> but as far as the good ones i'm sorry i'm talking too much but as far as the good ones my absolute favorite is tom hardy's accent in the revenant yeah, I think he yeah. absolutely nails it. There's no way that you would think that that guy is from the UK at all. Uh, he's got not only a a southern accent, but he's got like a Texas southern accent, mm-hmm. which is different from like a Tennessee southern accent. Anyway, that that is one of my favorites. Yeah, absolutely. Good pick. Good pick. I love hearing him talk in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I went with uh, our boy from The Amazing Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield, mm-hmm. who is British as fuck. <laughs> and in that movie, and especially The Social Network, uh, I did not know or even have an inkling this guy was British until yeah. I found out he was British. And that, to me, is the mark of a, of a good American accent if it never even occurs to me that you're doing an accent. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Yeah, that's all I got. That's all I'm going to share. (laughs) All right. Fuck you for only coming up with one. (laughs) I came up with more, but he only shared one. I thought we were doing a round robin. I'm not really criticizing. You realize (laughs) that. You realize that, right? (laughs) Yeah, I do. Um, Okay, so... I, I Meryl Streep is generally considered like just all time mm-hmm. as far as accents are concerned. So I came up with two immediately that came to mind were her Polish accent and Sophie's Choice is amazing. Yep. And so is her Australian her Australian accent in A Cry in the Dark is wicked good. Is that the Dingo's H O baby? Yep, Dingo's H O baby. <laughs> um but she she sounds like she's from there. I mean, maybe somebody from Australia thinks it's a hack accent, uh-huh. but man, she is freaking good. She's good in that. My wife likes that uh, Julia Child movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, Julia and Julia? Yeah. And she has a goofy-ass sounding voice in that movie, but mm-hmm. probably because Julia Child did. Yeah. Anyway. And we mentioned before, Kelly McDonald in No Country for mm-hmm. All Men has a really good Southern accent in that. You yeah. Know. Um, you know, it's a lot of times people do the southern accent and it's and it's supposed and for whatever reason it goes to the ultra redneck like yeah and yeah there are ultra rednecks that sound like that (laughs) but like it's for every character a lot like it's a character that you're supposed to like a lot of times and they're just you know they go for that really really cliched accent yeah the other one that i wanted to mention is uh christian bale in american psycho yes man i mean he's done a million american accents including batman obviously but I think American Psycho is one of the first ones that he did, and he he not only nails that New Yorkish American type of di- dialect, but 
almost a Tom Cruisean we talked about mm-hmm. before type of dialect, which is is amazing to mm-hmm. me. I, it is fascinating to me for people to be able to transform their voices into authentic dialect. That's why I talk about accents all the time. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a good one. My, my only other one I had down that was worth mentioning is uh, Henry Cavill. Mm-hmm. Um, who is also yeah. British as fuck. He's and playing the most American character of all time. The single most American guy <laughs> ever, and I bet you most of America has no idea this dude's yeah. British. Yeah, We got another question? Yeah, all right. What music video would you love to see made as a full movie? Imagination runs wild with this one. Mm-hmm. And I've got a great one. Yeah. It's Radiohead's Just. Yeah. Which is one of the best music videos of all time. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. And- when you actually said you were going to make this your pick, I got angry because <laughs> I I didn't think of that yet, but th- there's no better answer than that yeah. for this question. <laughs> um, if you're not familiar with it, go check it out. It's like, what, three and a half minute long video. But the, the gist is there's people laying down and then they can't figure out why. And then they get it whispered to them. And then the final shot, they're laying down, too. Yeah, and they're yeah. just basically Creepy. told, like, what is it? Why are you doing this? And they keep saying, you don't want to know. Yeah. And their curiosity gets the best of them and everything. Yeah, so. the guy eventually lets them know. And, and if you could imagine, because they actually, at the beginning of the video, they cut to, like, him getting ready and everything mm-hmm. and, and getting dressed and just this sullen look on his face. And Radiohead's up playing in their in their room and everything. And then it it goes on to this narrative. So I think you could really expand that. It's actually directed by a short film specialist, which is why it, it lands so well. One thing I want to say about this real quick is Mark Ronson did a cover of this in 2008. And uh, it, it's really good. It's very horny. It's a <laughs> horny uh, take on this song. And it actually recreates that laying on the sidewalk thing in a very humorous way. So if you're going to look this up, look that up too. It's very Interesting. funny. That was a good call. Good pick. Uh, I, d- I decided to go with uh, Cradle of Love, Billy. I nice. rock the Cradle of Love. Uh, now, we did this for Music Video Sins, and this is a pretty preposterous situation. But <laughs> yep. if you back out from this, this is basically the movie Poison Ivy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> any of the movies yeah. called Poison Ivy. Or, or the Amy Fisher story. Yes, or the or Amy the Fisher crush. story. Yeah. Or Crush. Yeah. Uh, and, and I could very easily see this scenario playing out into a full movie where... <laughs> Maybe he fools around with her, and even though he shouldn't, and then she's a psycho, or yep. her ex-boyfriend, or her dad is, and it turns violent. Uh, as long as cops get called at some point, <laughs> I'll be happy. Yeah. Uh, because this guy is uh, deserving of going to jail. But anyway, that was my pick. Um, you know, it's funny. Radiohead did several videos during that Ben's uh, era where the all of them were fun. Like mm-hmm. High and Dry was fun. Yep. And uh, fake plastic trees yep. had a really fun uh, video, uh, and Karma Police. Uh, had that's a great, a great video. Had a great video, um, and uh, I guess was I guess a couple of those were on OK, OK Computer too. Karma Police was the only one yeah. that was on OK Computer out of what you you named fittingly in a car. Yes, Karma indeed, Police, indeed. But the one that I'm going to go after is Tool Sober. Oh yeah, great um, one. The the sort of that claymation horror style uh-huh. that the tool uh basically all their videos are that yep. so you can pick any one of them but the first one was sober yep and sober i want to see that horror movie yeah i want to see it because it you know like nothing really makes sense it's a music video mm-hmm. but i want to see the story behind this you know and uh so i think that would be that's a, good- a whole subgenre because like that and then any real nine inch nails video yeah uh, could be applied to mm-hmm. and you know i mean those nine inch nails videos are 
such an inspiration it looks like to David Fincher. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course they work together so much, but like that tool video would be great. Yeah. Uh, it almost reminds me of those claymation things almost remind me of the Primus heyday too. Yeah. They used a lot of that stuff too. And the ceiling. The Why were we so afraid of clay for so long? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it is terrifying. It can be. They also did green jelly did that uh, little pigs oh, yeah. uh, video that you featured claymation. That was kind of horrifying. Notice too. we all picked nineties music videos. They're, they're like the videos you see today rarely ever have like great stories really bad blood is the only one that i can think of exactly taylor swift comes up with the greatest music videos these days uh bad blood was camping over the top but that would be a great pick and then the blank space video Mm -hmm. is really really fun too and really i mean wildest dreams is interesting um out of the woods is really good too so she's really leading the pack right now yeah and you could say that she's winning <laughs> uh, right now i don't want that to become a thing like the bad santa i want that to become a thing but not this winning thing. i can't believe that we said it that many times i didn't even and then said, none of us realized i it. listened to that thing for like 24 hours and so funny. i still didn't realize See, that we said winning. I, I didn't realize that but i do know that we say amazing a lot so i thought that you know if there was anything that anybody was going to pick out of what we say all over and over it would be amazing uh, it's amazing and, and of course the one guy on the comments was like so what else guys was, was one of his first <laughs> yeah, things exactly you know uh so yeah not not a surprise not we have a, surprise. a lot of things we have group things yeah it we, happens yep that'll be the syncast for this week uh continue going to soundcloud and giving us your thoughts we've gotten more comments recently and we've gotten a lot of comments on the itunes page too so go there, go to SoundCloud. We'll try to respond to as many of you as possible. Notice a lot of familiar faces, but also a lot of new people. So come on there. I see a lot of people say, like, I, you know, first time commenting on here. Here's what I like. Here's what I don't like. Bring all that stuff on. Yeah. So anyway, that'll be it for this episode. It's Chris Atkinson, Jeremy Scott, and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit, and be sure to visit cinemasins.com. I think Charlie Puth and Imogen Poots should get together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then she should keep her maiden name when they marry so she can be Imogen Poots Puth. Yeah. <laughs> Men in back. Men in black three. Men in back. Men in back, women in front. I can't, I can't get it out. Whore. 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 Whore none. Whore none. Whore none. I've, I've looked for that. That's a Sprockets. That's a Mike Myers thing. Oh, yeah. From Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Uh, when, and we used to love Sprockets when it would come on. Yeah. And like, there, I've been looking for that clip where he's, it's just, it's just random German bullshit or whatever. And he's just like, whore, none, whore, none. The two, <laughs> two words come together. And he's like, uh, he's like, uh, he's like, a man goes out into the woods and he sees a dead squirrel, which in and of itself is not so disturbing, but he turns it over to find ants, ants, ants. <laughs> Such a disturbing thing. (laughs) My girl. My girl. My girl.
she's got a male chorus over there. And it's like they're not allowed to move. Because she's all like, you know, doing her arm thing. Let the sky fall. And the other guy's like, let the sky fall. <laughs> it's like the, the Russian chorus from <laughs> for Red October. Um, <laughs> Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. I, I would I would have taken your like cut off everything I just said. Oh yeah, totally. Sorry. You're always <laughs> you're always interrupting me at this point, you motherfucker. Man. Uh how, I'm sorry to stop this in the uh, middle here. I'm trying to look up a movie that reminds me of the Safety Not Guaranteed that came out. I don't know if you ever saw a movie where uh these people break like they um they want to they're like reporters or something and they want to get into this cult and they are trying to figure out what the cult's all about. And the woman who leads the cult claims that she's from the future and all that. So all the followers believe that she's really from the future and everything. Um, and, uh, and so like the reporter who's in there is like, it pretty much feels like he's on to her when she's, when she says that she's uh, one of the hit songs, uh, in her time was um it was a it was a song that's very much the cranberries um i can't remember what the cranberry song was that, that she sang linger or zombie it was one it's one of those or whatever and so the guy's like okay well that song came out in the 1990s or whatever and, hmm. and whatever and then and then so he gets kicked out but then it's like there's still like sort of a thought of like is she really still from the is she, like that could be a cover of that song right mm -hmm. and so like and so there's there's like uh there's a lot of stuff trying to you know trying to make it whether is it real or is it not is she and i can't remember the name of this movie for the life of me hmm. and i want to maybe somebody let me put it in the outtakes maybe one of the listeners will know yeah yeah i mean i'll come up with it probably when we're when we break or something but All right. um it's got one of those never let you go type of titles you yeah. know it's one of those nature box damn it <laughs> <laughs> i would say uh this episode should i should, should i cut out the damn it um, <laughs> yes george got damn it you want to go pee pee in your big boy slacks keep it to yourself i am a writer a doctor a nuclear physicist a theoretical philosopher but above all i am a man just like you we made you because we could can you imagine how disappointing it would be for you to hear the same thing from your creator? Until help arrives, I'm deputizing the little guy, the skinny one, and the boy with the patch on his eye to come with me in the station wagon. I'm 